Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville. Are you ready to talk Division Three basketball? I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and we are off and running on yet another Sunday evening in Division Three land. Lots to talk about in Division Three basketball. Uh, that's become almost standard operating procedure and statement to say at this point in time. Lots to cover. Um, we're going to talk to a number of teams who are leading their um, conferences this year, or at this point, I should say, um, and talk about some of the other surprises or non-surprises or other news around Division Three. Um, got lots of good guests on the air. Got lots to talk about. We are, believe it or not, for some conferences, the conference schedule is now done and conference tournaments will start shortly. NESCAC got done as of today. We'll talk about the fact that Williams missed an opportunity, and I hate to say that because if they had lost, they would have played Tufts. If they had won, they would play Amherst. They won, they'll play Amherst, and it's almost, you think, hmm, I wonder if they would rather have done it another way around. Not that I'm an advocate for going out there and losing by any way, stretch, or or form, but still an interesting development nonetheless on the men's side. Uh, soon, uh, CUNYAC has a makeup day, I believe, tomorrow, and then they will get going with uh, their uh, tournament as well. And Jack is going to be wrapping up shortly as uh, soon. I know a lot of the teams that we talked to um, or will be talking to today will be um, also um, get, you know, wrapping up the season. We're only talking about a handful of games left for a lot of people before we get rip-roaring into the conference tournament. So we're at that, at that juncture at this point of what is going, you know, of, of figuring out who's going to make the tournament, who's going to miss out, so on and so forth. Of course, second regional rankings will come out on Wednesday. Those will be important because those are the ones that count towards the results versus regionally ranked opponents at the end of the season. Remember, we're in this scenario now where it's, um, you get ranked in the second and third week of the regional rankings, and that or if a team is ranked in those rankings, that team then counts towards results versus regionally ranked opponents. Even if you're, you're, I believe if you're ranked in week two and not in week three, it'll still count for teams. So now it's important. Week one was more of, again, as I've said, kind of putting our toe in the water, understanding the temperature, understanding where the committee's coming from, but not truly getting a good sense of who's in and who's out. <clears throat> I think you got a good sense of where things are headed, you know who, what teams are in trouble, and you know which teams are certainly in a very good position. But week one doesn't really give us a sense of who's out, for example. Um, to, to, or, or I should say who's locked is what I meant to say. Uh, we don't know the locks as of yet. We certainly know, like, for example, Whitman, who I've mentioned before. Really great shape. And obviously coming through this weekend in better shape now. So week two will pretty much be where we kind of know where things stand. And we'll be looking at who's in trouble, who needs to improve their positions, and uh, who's going to be safe. And that's where we really start to kind of understand things. You look at the top 25 this week. The UAA once again making headlines for just being a tough conference. Rochester lost to Chicago on Friday, 90, 90-87. to 87. Setting up a day today against Wash U that was either one of two things. Wash U wins, the AQ, the first AQ of the season is done and taken care of, and Wash U gets it by winning the UAA. Of course, Rochester won today. They beat the Bears 74 61. 
little bit closer than that 13-point spread. It was five points with about less than about 51 seconds left to go. Rochester hit its free throws. But Rochester also controlled much of that game and held the Bears at arm's length for most of the trip. But again, Rochester splits the weekend and does not allow WashU to, to wrap up the, the uh, conference schedule. Uh, Rochester now uh, remains a game behind WashU. Heading into the final two weekends of the season, the UAA. Remember, if you're new to Division Three, UAA does not have a tournament, so all the UAA plays there plays two games next weekend, and then they all play their travel rivals the final weekend of the season. Of course, WashU sitting in fifth, beat Emory 94-65 and lost to Rochester, as we mentioned. The interesting fact is Emory then went out and beat Chicago, so it's one of those weekends in the UAA. Amherst. I was worried this was going to happen. After we saw their loss in overtime to Wesleyan, I worried about the Middlebury game, and Middlebury handled them. 106-91, giving Amherst two losses on the week, six losses overall. They'll fall out of the top ten. I'd be interested to see where they fall to. As a voter myself, I'm confused. I've seen Amherst play well, but the concerns I had at the beginning of the season are now showing up. They didn't show up at the beginning of the season. They're showing up now. Um, and Amherst is going to put themselves in a tough spot. I know they looked good in the regional rankings, but I think we mentioned on Wednesday, and I know we mentioned on Thursday, that two through six spot in the Northeast is tenuous because they could all intermix. And now Amherst is losing a lot of the head-to-head scenarios with those same teams. So Middlebury, Wesleyan, you could all argue could leapfrog them. Uh, Amherst could fall down to five, could fall down to six. Uh, we'll see how the committee treats six losses with a pretty gaudy SOS. They did beat Hamilton 86-75, so the weekend wasn't a loss. But it certainly was as bad as it could get, just not the worst-case scenario. St. Norbert lost again. They lost to Grinnell 91-87 seven, uh, to go pick up their fourth loss of the season. Also putting the conference um, number one, I think, up in the air. Claremont Mud Scripps had a horrible weekend. Uh, we, well, not weekend, week. That We talked about the loss to Pomona Pitzer on Tuesday. They beat Whittier on Thursday, then lost to Laverne on Saturday. So Pomona, uh, Claremont Mud Scripps has pretty much put themselves in a must-win-to-get-in scenario now. That at, that at large with a gaudy record and, and weak SOS is gone. Newman lost to Rosemont. We mentioned that on Thursday, but at least they got back on the winning horse by beating Karen 103-74, but they may have done the same thing, though they're in better shape in the Atlantic than some of these other teams we've talked about. Whitewater lost to River Falls. River Falls basically putting a stranglehold on the WIAC now. Susquehanna got past Catholic Andrew this week, which was good for them. Augustana lost to Carroll. There's a chance the CCIW will not even be ranked in the top 25. I've been doing the history of the men's top 25. I have not caught up fully. I will do some more work tomorrow for sure. There's a chance. Uh, it may be the first time the CCIW has never had a team in. I'm not positive. I could be wrong on that. Uh, Guilford, we mentioned lost to Roanoke. At least they got back in it and then made the ODAC race more interesting, beating Randolph-Macon 67-53. And, of course, on the men's side, though, or in the ODAC, it doesn't matter as uh, the top four, I believe, get first-round buys um, and then all go play at the Salem Civic Center. So we're not really necessarily playing for um, home court advantage in the top, but you are playing for the bracket you want. Um, and then North Park is just coming apart at the seams, it feels like. The injury there certainly isn't helping. We mentioned the loss to Carthage on Wednesday. Well, then they fouled that up with a loss to Wheaton. They're now 15-7, and seven, and that goes to the conversation could the CCIW not be ranked? And those receiving votes didn't tally any better. 
St. Thomas lost to Carrollton, 79-63, ending a long winning streak. Oswego lost to Fredonia, 76-75, then barely got past Buffalo State, 69-68. New Jersey City lost to Ramapo. No surprise there. They split the regular season, 78-70. But New Jersey City, with that extra losses they picked up in conference, now in a more tenuous spot to make the NCAA tournament if they need it as an at-large. And at this point, I don't believe they're going to make it. Uh, Endicott lost to Nichols at the beginning of the week and at least got back and beat Rogers Williams by 30. That conference is crazy at the top. And uh, TCNJ uh, lost to Montclair State, putting their hopes of making the NCAA tournament as an at-large almost out the window. At this point, the only team that possibly could get an at-large bid from the NJAC is Ramapo, which means the NJAC at best, I feel, is a too-big league if the right team wins the AQ. If Ramapo wins the AQ, it may be a one-bid league, and that is too bad because New Jersey City has been a good team this year. TCNJ has quietly been a pretty impressive team. Ramapo just has been the only one who seems to weather most of the storm, and even that has been tenuous. Ramapo is sitting 11th in the country with only two losses. And then Williams lost to Tufts and then beat Bates. Uh, and then Worcester lost to Ohio Wesleyan. Ohio Wesleyan's that team you got to watch out for as well. They are sneaky good uh, and maybe a team nobody wants to see. Women's side a little bit quieter, but still some surprising results. Mary Washington lost to Penn State Harrisburg 58-57. Believe it or not, uh, and by the way, Christopher Newport had lost to Marymount earlier in the week and then beat Wesley. Um, so these two teams are now tied atop the CAC, but it's no longer a coin flip. Um, because both teams lost to a different team in the conference. It Previously, when they had just split with each other, and that was their only losses, or loss, um, the head-to-head against other opponents was, was irrelevant, and then the other criteria the committee didn't want to use out of the CAC, so it was going to a coin flip. But now that Christopher Newport's lost to Marymount, and Mary Washington has lost to Penn State Harrisburg, I have to go back and check the CAC, but Mary Washington may get in as the top seed because they lost to a lower-ranked team. Now, at one point, the CAC did it reverse. They actually started at the bottom and worked their way up. And I just remembered I forgot to double-check that. I will tonight before this show is done. Um, if they start from the bottom and work up, Mary Washington will lose the tiebreaker to Christopher Newport. If they start at the top of the rest of the conference and work their way down, Christopher Newport will lose a tiebreaker to Mary Washington. That is assuming nobody takes any losses the rest of this week, and Mary Washington does have Marymount on their schedule. DePaul took a loss, took their second loss of the season, the Canyon 70-64. to Doesn't affect anything in the conference, but certainly a surprise. Whitman lost to number 6 Puget Sound, no surprise there. In overtime, though, so a good battle, 89-82. Catholic lost to Scranton. Not overly surprising. They're both 21 and 22. The game was um, at Catholic, so they've now split it on the road at each other's places. Uh, it was 46-44 in favor of the Royals, so a good battle there, but opens up or reopens up the, the landmark battle at the top of that conference as well. And Whitewater lost to Stevens Point, which we mentioned on Thursday. Carnegie Mellon lost to NYU. Carnegie Mellon, who's a darn good team, has struggled in the conference. They're 16-6 and six overall now, and NYU showing that despite all of what they've lost, they're still pretty good. And Rochester's playing themselves out of the tournament. They lost to Chicago and WashU this week. They're now 15-7. and seven. Uh, And the, games, the WashU game was close, but the Chicago game was not. 
And then the other game is Maryville losing to Piedmont. These are in the receiving votes category. So an interesting week of games that will have interesting results on the regional rankings as well. I want to thank Drew. He says, looking forward to talking D3 Pool C with you. And he talks about a few of us, including myself, over the next two weeks. Drew, it is going to be interesting, to say the least, talking um, uh, Pool C. Um, remember a couple tidbits here, if you haven't been paying attention. On the women's side, there is a Pool B bid, which means there's one less Pool C bid. That is important. It means that a team from Pool B will now, well, let me let me rephrase that. The Pool B bid was a Pool A bid last year. Um, the GSAC had a Pool A automatic qualifier. It's now a Pool B bid. So in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't have a tremendous effect on Pool C. However, what it does do is it takes away an extra bid in Pool C that they may have gotten. There are 11 teams in Pool B, uh, mainly of the GSAC, former GSAC group, um, which gives them a bid. They needed, uh, I think, 10 to get it. Or it could be wrong, needed nine to get it. So they get that, that extra pool B, basically an extra automatic qualifier slid to pool B. On the men's side, we now have two extra bids because we're now at a full 64-team field. And so we have two extra pool Cs. There are no pool Bs in men's basketball because there is no former GSAC that is out there floating in the wind. So the men have no pool Bs. Though... In a year or two, that may change as more and more teams enter Division Three. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We hope you will uh, take the opportunity to do that. Um, we uh, Lots to cover, to say the least. And so we hope you'll take the opportunity to join us and answer questions, and we will certainly try and get your questions answered when they come up. Of course, there is a uh, mailbag segment. If we get enough questions, we'll have a mailbag segment at the end of the show. Um, so here are our guests. We'll talk to WashU men's basketball coach Mark Edwards. Coming off a tough loss to Rochester, we'll talk about the last three games of the regular season and what WashU will need to do and, and were they maybe – a little bit assuming today, you know, were they almost looking too far ahead? Albertus Magnus men's basketball coach Mitch Oliver will join us on the show. They missed the tournament last year for the first time since 2011. Looks like they're marching their way to the tournament again this year, but they're going to need to win the conference and they've got a couple uh, Achilles heels in there. We'll talk to Coach Oliver about the current winning streak and whether they can get back to the NCAA tournament. Babson women's basketball coach Judy Blundstrub will join us on the show. She won her 600th game on Wednesday, um, and they lead the NUMAC. She'll join us in the WBCA center court, and we'll talk to her about uh, her squad, of course, about her career at Babson and winning 600 games. She's the 14th Division Three coach to do that. Maryville's women's basketball coach will join us. Darren Trevilian will join us coming off a loss to Piedmont. That ended a long winning streak for them as well. They're in pretty good shape in the USA West, USA South West division. We'll talk to them, though, about the ramifications of that loss and what they've got ahead before the conference tournament. And then Eastern men's basketball coach joins us out of the Atlantic region in the MAC Freedom. There are two coaches in the MAC Freedom who are new coaches who have, are leading their teams at the top of the conference, Eastern and Delaware Valley. So I did a coin flip, and we're talking to Eastern coach Eric McKelly about his squad. I saw his squad at the beginning of the year, and I remember thinking to myself going in, okay, it's Eastern. They haven't been that great. This isn't going to be a great game. And midway through the game going, you know what? There's something here. 
there's something about this Eagles squad that I that that could be good. And it looks like it's coming to fruition. We'll talk to their head coach coming up as well. And at the end of the show, along with the mailbag, should we have enough questions, we will show you one of the great moments from Sports Center the other night. If you missed the shout out to uh, a pretty incredible Division Three women's basketball team, we've got it here for you. And if we have enough time, we'll also play an incredible story out of there that's even better than what they're experiencing now. It's an amazing group of women at Geneseo, and we'll talk about them at the end of the show as well. And with that note, we're going to take a break. Again, don't forget, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. And you can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're paying attention as best we can to the page, and we'll try and answer your questions either on air or here uh, or on the page uh, the best we can. Ah, Beth Herrick. Geneseo women's basketball fan in attendance. In attendance, Beth, you got a wonderful team there and a great coach. You should be. I know you're enjoying the season. It's an incredible squad. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we will get things going with Mark Edwards from WashU. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All State, won a state championship, a high school All American and play college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live streaming the show. Jim asked me who will win out of the OAC. Uh, Jim, I am going to jump out on a, on a limb here and assume you're talking men, but you could be talking women for all I know. Um, the OAC certainly has got a more interesting race. Marietta leading John Carroll in Ohio Northern by one game. I think Marietta takes that on the men's side. Uh, I think Marietta's finally figured out what's going on on the women's side. Ohio Northern leads 
Uh, Baldwin Wallace by four games, pretty much wrapping up the conference at this point in time. I can't imagine why Ohio Northern on the women's side isn't going to win as well. Back to the men, though. The Achilles heel for Marietta has been John Carroll's size. We'll see if John Carroll can trip him up. But I think Marietta's figured out what's ever wrong in the middle of their season and is finally playing well again um, and in great position to make the NCAA tournament win or lose. But I think they're going to probably win the conference, barring they don't make the mistakes they made midseason. Talking men's basketball, uh, the UAA is always fun to watch, and this season it certainly has been. Going into the weekend, WashU had a one-game lead on Rochester. Rochester lost on Friday to Chicago, which meant today, WashU versus Rochester, with a win, the Bears could wrap up the UAA automatic qualifier with two weekends to spare. Um, and everybody else would be trying to reposition themselves for Pool C opportunities. Well, this is why they play the game. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way for the Bears. Rochester won today on WashU's floor, splitting the season with WashU, and now it's still back to a one-game lead for WashU heading into the last two weekends. What does all mean? Well, we go to the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem, and joining us there is the head coach of WashU, Mark Edwards. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time, sir. I know this is a tough loss, but I, I, I get the sense in all your years of, of coaching basketball, not that surprising. Well, we've had some great games over the years in, in the UAA, and, and uh, it seems Washu and Rochester has had a number of them. I know when Mike Neer was coaching there and, and Mount Luke for Kersey, uh the teams are always well prepared, and, uh, you know, it was a big game. Uh, they had their back to the wall, and they came out and uh, they handled us well today. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Obviously, they had their back to the wall, as you mentioned, because they need to win to stay in the chase, to stay a game behind you guys and, and make it interesting at, to the end and ho- maybe steal the, the AQ away. But more importantly, they obviously want to keep their at-large hopes uh, alive as well. Is there a chance that after what the you know you guys saw them do, or, or what happened, I should say, at Chicago, what Chicago did to Rochester, that the team's thinking to themselves, okay, you know, we, we can handle this and, and maybe got a little ahead of themselves? Or is it simply that Rochester came out kind of guns a-blazing with, uh, in desperation mode? Well, you know, when you have a good conference and uh, there's plenty of them out there, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And I know that's easy to say, but it, it's a fact. I mean, when we played up at Chicago, uh, there was a goaltending call at the buzzer yeah. that gave us the win. And, you know, uh, that happens. Uh, you know, Case Weston, who was last in the conference going into this weekend uh, without a win, won them both. Uh, you know, it's, when you get into conference play, there's a lot of pride on the line. And, uh, you know, you have to be able to, to last the entire season, all 14 games. And our conference plays Sunday game. Uh, you know, at noon, and today, because of flight arrangements, et cetera, it was actually at 11 a.m. Central Time. And so you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's the team that comes to play, the team that's ready, the team that's uh, uh, got the most passion in the game, and, and uh, today was Rochester. Uh, yeah, I, I even got caught off guard with the game playing earlier. I was ready for a 1 o'clock Eastern game, and all of a sudden I looked up and, oh, they're already on the go. i got to get get going here. I want to watch this game. Um <laughs> Curious, you brought up the Chicago one. I want to bring that up real quick because that was certainly a fascinating result, to say the least. That ending where, where you know, a desperation heave on your guys' part. Chicago's guy goes up and happens to goaltend it, thinking the game is over. I'd love to know what your thought was as that play unfolded. 
Well, I was, you know, I was right in front of me, and I'm watching the play, and, and uh, uh, you know, I think I'm, my thought is we're going to overtime. And then all of a sudden I see him jump up and, and swat it away, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, it was pretty obvious. It was, you know, he thought it was going to overtime also, and it was just kind of a, an impulse to do that. It doesn't work that way. And, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened. And certainly an interesting result, which just makes for what has been an interesting UAA this year. A lot of people thought Emory would be a little bit better, and they've been up and down. Chicago's had its struggles despite being a really good team. Rochester and and yourselves have kind of separated, but you had to watch out uh, for a lot of other good teams in this conference. Carnegie Mellon and Case Western Reserve have even given you fits a little bit this season. Obviously, we're used to the UAA being a little bit more challenging, but has it kind of worked out the way you thought it would this year or is it even more challenging on your part you know the uaa is a hard one to try to predict how it's going to work out because we're you know we spend the whole month of december playing in different parts of the country with a different agenda and playing people that you know from different conferences and it's hard to make a comparison as to how good is nyu compared to emory to washu to chicago etc uh and then once you start your conference play you know, our teams are so familiar with each other. You get into conference play, uh, things that were working against uh, teams in your in your region may not be working once you get once you get into the conference play. And uh, anything can happen. It really can. And you know, you mentioned the the quality of the play this year. Uh, Carnegie Mellon. Uh, you know, I think they're an excellent team. Uh, they've had some big wins, and uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to beat them uh, both times, but. It was a game right up to the end. So I don't, you know, we, we didn't even have a preseason poll in our conference. Yeah, I don't know what it would have been based on because, you know, we, we look at a sheet of paper and say who's coming back, and that's about it. Your team had an interesting start to the year, uh, got off to a five-game winning streak, and then hit uh, early December in Eau Claire Central and Illinois Wesleyan, gave you fits, losing three out of four before you got back on the ship against Ohio Wesleyan at the end of December. What did that four-game stretch teach this squad? Well, you know, those four games, uh, we knew they were good teams. We had, we had Our schedule's been pretty tough this year. Uh, I think that, you know, I think we've got seven or eight games that we have played that are against regionally ranked teams so far this season. And... You know, Central, although they have, they've kind of dropped off in their intensity, I guess, uh, they're a good ball club. And, and uh, uh, they they got us up at their place. Eau Claire, you know, was one of the best teams we played. No doubt about it. And it wasn't just that day. Uh, in the same way, Illinois Wesleyan and us, it's always a battle. That's a big rivalry. And that can go either way. So, you know, we knew that, that uh, we couldn't afford any slippage. Uh, then we had to come back with five straight road games. You know, we had to go to uh, Ohio uh, to Wooster and play Ohio Wesleyan and Wooster and then to Chicago and then to Emory and then to Rochester. And we won all five of those games. So, you know, maybe it, maybe it toughened us up and got us ready. I know one thing is that we look forward to playing them. Um, when you look at the fact that you're now one game up on, on, on Rochester with three games to play, which basically puts the pressure on every single game, do you have to change the tune to the team? Uh, do you have to change the message of the squad, or is it is it more about just kind of reemphasizing what you've been saying all season? Well, you know, you, you start out the season uh, uh, with with great ambitions, and and you play, and and as the season unfolds, 
you keep chasing those those dreams that you set for yourself. Uh, those don't change. You know, we whether if we'd have won today, we were going to go after New York on Friday night next week, uh, regardless. I mean, you know, we we take pride in what we're doing, and every game you play, you don't know where it's going to lead you, regardless of whether you have the conference one or whether you're down three games or up three games. I think the big thing is that you come to compete and you come to play. Uh, that's what you learn from. Uh, you know, this 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 uh, setback today is just that. It's a setback. And, you know, we had a nice run. We were undefeated in the conference, and, and somebody finally rose up and beat us. <laughs> so now we got to take it on the road. And, and uh, you know, we know we're going to get tested everywhere we play. Yeah, today's loss ending a 10-game winning streak, or a 12-game winning streak, I think. Uh, this squad's got three seniors on it. I'll admit, I've, I've had trouble trying to, to gauge just how good the team is. If you were trying to sell me on the squad on what what makes them so good or reminds you maybe of the teams of yesteryear that were so dominating, what is it that I might be missing? Well, the name of the game is to win mm-hmm. and to compete to win. Uh, you know, I think if you look at our stats and you tried to you tried to pinpoint one reason for our winning. Uh, you're not necessarily going to do it in the stats unless you look at it totally. Five guys scoring in double figures. You know, last weekend we had one game where six guys scored in double figures. Uh, we've got seven players on our team that are essentially starters, playing starters minutes and playing starter statistics. I think that the success of our team in, in, uh, is that there is no one focus point. You know, I, I, you know, I can talk about each one of our positions on the floor, and I can make a supporting case that the players are, are very good, you know, that they could be starting for anybody in the country. Uh, but if you ask me, are they the best player in the country at that position? Uh, you know, it's probably immaterial unless we're the best team in the country. Sure. So I think that it's not, you know, we don't have a, a Sean Wallace or a Troy Roos or a Tyler Nading or Aaron Thompson or some of the people that were on that uh, championship team. Um, we don't have people playing those type of roles. We've got people when you need a big basket, they make it. I think the other thing is that one of our major strengths is our defense. Mm. You know, our team's our team is very competitive, and uh, it's pretty hard to measure that statistically, particularly if you want to talk about individuals. Sure. But I think from a from a competitive standpoint, you ask the teams that we play against, and I think that they would they would uh, agree that our defense is, is pretty competitive. Uh, talking to Mark Edwards here, head coach of the number five ranked WashU Bears. They are uh, uh, licking their wounds a little bit from a Rochester loss, but certainly in con- still in control of the UAA. You talk about uh, the defense coach, and I just kind of looked up a stat, averaging seven steals a game as a team. you got four or five players in double digits. Kevin uh, Casera leading the way with 40. Um, you got nine players you played a vast majority games in you know 20 or more and four of them almost five are in double digits in terms of scoring you're led by andrew sanders at nearly 16 points a game and six and a half rebounds shoots really well at 53 percent from the floor we mentioned casera kevin casera 11 points a game um 4.2 rebounds matt highsmith 10.9 points uh clinton hooks 10.7 points and michael bregman 9.2 points and they all contribute three to four rebounds a game on top of that and of course Casera 132 assists a game you know that's not too bad yeah just a just a clip of six per game um you you got a lot of weapons it feels like and as you say you don't have 
the Troy Ruths necessarily who kind of dominate. Yeah, I think that's I think that's real fair to say. I think that uh, you know you, you throw Jake Nup in there, who is also getting um, starter minutes for us, and Marcus Meyer, who's been maybe not getting the minutes, but he's certainly providing the, uh, the support when he comes out onto the floor. Uh, you got a you got a deep team, and uh, these guys do believe in each other. This started last year. Uh, you know, we had a big turnover of personnel, and last year it was a learning experience. That, they just kept getting better and better as the year went on and ended up with five uh, uh, straight UA conference wins uh, to, you know, kind of pull us up to 15 and 10. Well, they've kept it going this year. And, and you know, the, the potential for this team, I think, is, is really high. But once again, it's basketball. Yeah. And basketball, you go out on the floor, anything can happen. Uh, you can have a great game like we had on Friday night against Emory. Uh, we played really well, probably the best half of basketball we've played this year. And then you come back today and you can't even throw it in the ocean. Um, <laughs> and that's just the way it works. Yeah. That's the way it works. I'm blown away, Coach. You, you're in your 36th season at WashU, and obviously an alum of WashU, who, for those who don't know you. You've had three seasons below 500, and they all came in the very first three seasons of your coaching tenure. Since then, the closest you came to below 500 was a 13 and 12 campaign in 2010-2011. I know it probably doesn't become routine, but does it has has it sunk in that that isn't necessarily the the status quo for a lot of programs that you know they they will take a below 500 season every once in a while, and you haven't experienced one in about 32 years. Well, you know, that's that's a great tribute to the kids that we've had in the program, that they buy into the tradition and they buy into uh, what this team does. And I think that that's what, it, that's what that's a measure of. I don't think it's a measure of me. I think it's a measure of the, of the uh, you know, every freshman that comes into the program uh, is given good leadership by the, by the kids that are already in the program. And part of it is tradition, you know. That's why, you, you know, coaches will say one of the hardest things to do is to take a losing program and instill a winning mentality. Uh, well, when, once you get the winning mentality, uh, you know you pass it on. So every kid that comes into a program, they expect to, they expect to come into a winning program. Um, now, of course, that doesn't mean that you walk out on the floor and everybody lays down. You're going to have to defend that. And you're going to have to play it, and we've been lucky to do that. And we should point out, by the way, you restarted the program in 81-82 because the program had basically been scuttled after the 69-70 season. So you've basically been you know, the, the only coach of this program in its modern history. Um, is this a squad? You know, We've kind of kind of missed the Wash U deep runs in the NCAA tournament. Is this a team that can pull that off this year? Is this a team we might see in Salem? Is it that good a squad? I think that... This team, just like a lot of teams in this country, has the potential to get to the to the championship, get to the finals. Um, you know, if you look at our squad from 2008 when we won the national championship, we were one bounce away from not even getting in the tournament. Yeah, uh, we didn't win the conference that year. Um, our our All American point guard Sean Wallace broke his leg that season. Yep, uh, fourth game of the season, and we were without a point guard. Uh, you know, an experienced point guard. And, um, you know, Ross Kelly stepped in, and, and as the season went on, he got better and better and more comfortable leading the team. And, you know, we it took a it took a, 
a miracle win at case for us to be even even in the tournament. And the next thing you know, we won it. So, yeah, you know, any team can win it. I think that's the one thing you learn. But I think the most important thing a coach learns over all these years is that any team can lose it. Yeah. Uh, you, could, you could be the best team in America, and if that ball bounces to the left instead of to the right, you go home. Yeah. And that, that's just the fact. Uh, you know, every coach knows that. And once you do win the national championship, that's the one thing you learn to appreciate. You learn to appreciate that uh, uh, what it takes to actually do that for a team. So, you know, the other thing you learn is if you believe in what you're doing, it's possible. And I don't care who you are or which team you are in the country or what conference you come from. If the kids believe what they're doing is possible, it is. And that's the beauty of the game. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, next weekend you're at NYU and at Brandeis if they have dug out of the blizzards uh, that they're experiencing in Boston. Uh, and then you finish yeah. you finish things up uh, at home against Chicago. Um, it's been a great season so far. Looking forward to seeing how it finishes. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, I just want to recall a time that you and I talked in New York City. Do you remember that? I do. <laughs> so you're talking about, you know, you caught us. You caught us on a Friday night after a loss. Yep. And we went back to the hotel, and there was no water in the hotel. Yes. And uh, so I can't say you bring me a lot of luck <laughs> on these phone calls. You understand that? Hey, yeah, but we've but, also you know, seen each other in Salem. I think it's worked out pretty well there. That, that's true. That's true. And I, and I hope to see you there again. And I wish you all the best. And I thank you for doing this, uh, doing the program, and. and promoting Division Three basketball. It's a, it's a tremendous brand of basketball. Uh, you know, when I first started coaching here 36 years ago, uh, there was nothing to promote. You had to dig in the papers to even find a score. Mm-hmm. And you guys have, have brought it to the light. There's a lot of people that enjoy it. There's a lot of people that appreciate what you do, and I thank you. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate you coming on the show to make our jobs a little bit easier, despite maybe our bad luck. Um, good luck the rest of the way. Uh, tell Nancy Faye good luck from us as well. We'll be talking to her sometime in the near future, and uh, and safe travels as well. Thanks, Dave. We'll see you later. Take care. Coach Mark Edwards joining us on the City of Salem uh, Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the team is in and not in control of the conference, but they're 10-1 and one and got a game lead on Rochester. Uh, with three games to play. It's going to come down to Rochester and, and Wash U for who's going to get the AQ, probably getting that large from either one of them. The rest of the conference, uh, really, Emory's the only team you can seriously stare at for an at-large bid, and Emory's playing themselves out of that position too. So keep an eye on Rochester and Wash U. They may be the representatives from the uh, UAA in the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, we know we're having some problems on YouTube. For those of you trying to tune in, we apologize. We think that it's, it's on you. It's on their end, not on ours. I do sense that the failures are uh, probably lowering themselves, so there's a good chance uh, that those numbers are going to start coming up, which means you can probably w- watch in, and we hope you can. If you're watching us on demand or on the podcast, we appreciate you doing that as well. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll keep talking men's basketball, and we'll jump out to the Northeast, talk to Albertus Magnus. Mitch Oliver joins us. He's won his 200th game, plus a couple extras. Can this team get back to the NCAA tournament? We'll find out when we talk to Coach. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops still after this. I used to never really talk, ever. 
Uh, I was afraid if I say something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. Got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville where we're live simulcasting the show, uh, which apparently may be the best way to watch us right now. We do know that there have been some issues with um, the YouTube version of this. I'm not 100% sure uh, what's going on, though we believe those numbers and, and things have been fixed because we're seeing our numbers climb, as it were. So we believe whatever issues they were having on YouTube's end have been resolved, we hope. They're not on ours, so bear with us. If you're watching us on demand or listening to the podcast, then you haven't experienced any of this. I know Jeff Brackens has a question for us about the USA South women. Jeff, give me a moment. We'll get to that and maybe tackle that a little bit more later in the show when we have Maryville head coach Darren Trevelyan. We're sticking with men's basketball right now, slipping over to the Northeast Conference. Uh, if you have Northeast region, I should say. Notice the GNAC Conference, you know, a lot of tension last year and certainly tension before that. In the last few years, it was Ben Albertus Magnus, certainly making some great runs, nationally ranked, etc. Last year, Johnson and Wales grabbed the national headlines and made a nice run the NCAA tournament. And honestly, we're pretty darn close to getting to the Final Four uh, in Salem. This year... It's back to Albertus Magnus, if you haven't noticed. They lead the GNAC by a game over Johnson & Wales at 18-4. and four. They have uh, had a very good 2017 side of things, but they're in a familiar position. They're probably going to have to win to get in. So we figured we might want to get an update on the Falcons and see how they're doing. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem is Mitch Oliver, head coach of Albertus Magnus. Coach, it's been a while. Welcome back. Yeah, how you doing, Dave? I'm doing well, sir. How about yourself? Good. Everything's good. Just winding down the season now. A couple games left in the regular season, uh, getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah, one four straight. You won 12 out of the last 13. You have uh, swept, no, I'm sorry, you split with Johnson and Wales. They beat you back 
in early December in overtime, but you got that revenge back. Uh, yes. And again, have a lead on them with two games left to go. Um, about what you expected this season? Yeah, I mean, every year we, you know, our goal is to contend for a championship. So, you know, we, we don't really put a number of wins on or anything like that, but our, our goal is always to contend for a regular season and conference uh, postseason championship. Um, Emmanuel and Mount Ida ahead. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about that. You just played Mount Ida um, uh, basically less than a week ago. Yes. Um, is it hard to keep the guys focused as you kind of grind through things here, especially now that you've gotten that win over Johnson and Wales? Or are the guys maybe even more on edge and more excited than, at this time of year? I mean, I, we always keep our focus. We only talk about the, you know, the task and the next game. Um, you know, we, I really don't talk about, we, at the beginning of the season, we talk about our main goal is to win a conference championship. So you very rarely, believe it or not, talk about NCAAs or anything like that. I think the guys just know, obviously, we get the AQ if we win our league. So um, that being said, uh, we always make it a goal to, you know, try to get the number one seed um, so we can secure home court advantage. So that, that's what we're chasing right now. Uh, Johnson Wales will sell right behind us. Uh, interesting, you know, neither team regionally ranked this year. Um, it's been a crazy Northeast. It's actually really deep Northeast this year. Of course, Nestcac taking most of those headlines. You've been on this year. Are you still on the regional committee, actually? Now that yeah. I, so yeah. you, you you understand the situation better than most, that it's going to yeah. be have to be a win-or-go-home scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously our, you know, our league suffers some, uh, you know, the strength of schedule um, outcome of, you know, when our season's over. Um, and it's you know a lot of people say well your conference is I don't know if it it has nothing to do with really being a weak conference uh, it's it's more about the amount of games we play so we play 18 yeah. league games so you know it, it, there's only so much you can do with your out of conference games this this season are six out of conference games for the teams that we played um, there's a good chance they'll they'll make the NCAA's and, you know our set schedule still isn't the best um, you know it's, it's actually pretty weak so. Um, it's something that 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 we understand, um, and that you know, if again we got to win our league, and the the players know that, but we don't talk about NCAA's like that. We don't talk about our goals to make the term. Our goal is to win the conference championship. Obviously, you know that from experience, and winning the conference right. championship just makes it a lot easier. Uh, yeah. Come February twenty seventh and twenty eighth and twenty sixth and whatnot, when you're looking at at all the all the pair, you know, the options and where you're going to go and what you're going to do is what's the difference with this team versus the team from two years ago that got so much uh, attention? Um, well, I, I mean, obviously I, I, there was more pressure a couple of years ago where I think, you know, we finished season 28 and two or something like that. And going into the conference tournament, we might have been even ranked as high as six or seven in the country at the point, and I don't know if we would have. I, I wasn't guaranteed that if we say we lost in the semis or the or the the conference final that we would have made the tournament. So that was a little unsettling to deal with at that time, um, because how dominant we were that year. Yeah. This season's a little bit different. Um, you know, again we're going game by game. So that team was also coming off a Sweet Sixteen appearance, and you know had much larger goals of, of not only getting to the tournament, but making a, a deep run. Um, so they were, they looked at it more. The individual players understood it more. They're more educated on it where we don't talk about it as much with, with this team. Although there are a couple of guys that were on that were, that were on that team that I'm sure bring it up to the younger guys, but we, <laughs> I don't address, I don't address, I don't, I don't address it at all. 
we're, our goal is just to you know win the next game, and we take it game by game. Not surprising you're a team that averages 86.5 points a game, you know, a high-scoring team. Interesting enough, though, six players in double figures, led by a junior in Jaquan Walters at nearly 20 points a game, uh, hauls in 13 rebounds a game, so a nice double-double from him. Then two seniors in Grant Ellis and, and Devin Coleman, 18.7 and 15.9 points respectively. All three of those guys average two and a half or more assists a game. Uh, Mason Jones, a junior, 11.5 points a game. Shaquille Mitchell, a senior, 11 points a game. Um, and then Ryan Pittman, a sophomore, 10.5 points a game. And Pittman also hands out 4.5 assists a game. you got a lot of guys contributing, whereas I would argue two years ago, while you had a really good team, it was two or three guys that everybody really keyed on. Yeah, well, I think, you know, obviously we have you know multiple guys. Our goal is always to have five guys double figures at least. Um this team is probably more balanced. I think there was more star power on the team two years ago, if you want to call it that, with with Victor and uh, Victor yeah. Judai and Tavon Sledge and E. Davis and guys like that. Um, whereas this team, I mean, the biggest consistency is, I mean, Jaquan Walters is a tremendous rebounder. I mean, this kid's motor um, is as good as anyone I've seen in 20 years. She doesn't stop going. Um and our goal, obviously, we run and we, you know, we, we play motion. We try to, you know, we're always going to score consistently between 85 and 90 over the years. Um, and we share the ball. We, we, we pride ourselves on making the extra pass, you know, drive, kick one more, one more. And we, we always do that. So we're kind of, the, the guy scoring is kind of a practice system. They've you know, they really bought into it and share the ball. We're a very good shooting team. That, that's what I like about this team uh, this year. Um, put multiple guys out there that can bear to three. We shoot about 36, 37% yeah. from three as a team. Yeah, you're shooting 36% uh, as a team, as you mentioned, from me on the arc, 47% from the from the field, uh, 65% from the free throw line, though I know I don't know any coach who likes his free throw percentage, even if they were above 80. Yeah, ours is. That, if, if you ask me what a weakness of ours is, it's our free throw percentage. I mean, it's. You know, it, it's pretty low. <laughs> we got to get better. That's such a. Every coach would tell you there's only so much you can do. You know, a lot of it is mental. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's tough. It's tough to deal with, and we do a pretty pretty good job of getting to the line, which you know, which is important. I think we got to capitalize more on that. A couple games ago, you got your 200th victory. Um, that's saying a lot for this program for when you took it over. I mean, it, it, we're almost synonymous now with 20 win seasons, but it wasn't that long ago. This team was four and 21 or two and 23. Since you've come in, this program has turned around. And you've won your 200th. That's got to be a heck of a milestone in your mind. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm proud of it. And again, it's a product of the players. I mean, we've been fortunate enough to to recruit very good, talented players uh, to come in here and, and flourish in the system. And they've done an even better job of of helping us recruit, um, you know, players to replace them each year. And that's always important. Um, they bought into the system, and it's something that. You know, we've always pride ourselves on we're, you know, we're going to reload every single year. We're not going to rebuild. We want to reload. Um, and we have, you know, we have come a come a long way. I mean, I think I think I, uh, I, think I lost. I think I was 0 13. I think I started off uh, lost the first 13 games of my career. So <laughs> we we uh, we have come a, come a long way. But that's that's a testament to, to the players. I mean, we we got great great players, and you know, any coach will tell you, you got to get talent. You got to get guys who put the ball in the basket, and compete every day. Uh, you've got a game lead on Johnson and Wales. Again, you split the regular season with them. So, you know, 
And with two games left, you certainly don't want to fall into a tie with them and, and get into tiebreaker scenarios. So with two games left, Ad Emanuel and versus uh, Mount Ida, and, and Emanuel's a 7-15 squad, Mount Ida's a 15-8 and eight squad. What, what's the message to the team uh, as you guys try and close out not only the regular season title, but position yourself for the conference tournament? Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, we're going to take it one game at a time. We've got Emanuel coming up. They're, you know, they're a very good team. Um, they have they have a lot of size, a lot of talent, you know, well coached, and you know we're just gonna take it one game at a time. You know we're not even gonna think about my night. You know we just played them. Um, you know we just gotta we gotta win one more, get, get one more game, and then focus on the next one. That, that's that's the way we look at it. Do one you, game season. Do you talk about the you know the the importance of being at home? Do you talk well, about the importance yes. of winning this conference to get in the NCAA's? Yeah, well, home court. We talk about home court a lot. Um, that that's our goal. You know, once we get into the, once we get to the mid mid season kind of the race, and, and we see kind of where we're falling, what kind of year we're having, and that you know we're you know we're reaching our goals, we're kind of near the top. Then we start talking about positioning for for number one. We want the number one seed because we want home court advantage. Um, we've been very successful at home over the years, and that's where we want to be. So that we do talk about that. And, you know, right now with two games left, I believe if we win one more, uh, we lock up the number one seat. When we, you know, you're again, you're on the Northeast Regional uh, Committee. Uh, you've played Babson. You've even played New Jersey City um, yep. in the Atlantic region. How good is the Northeast this year? Because by numbers and by rankings, it certainly looks deeper. And again, it's the NESCAC. The NESCAC is deeper than it's ever been. But how good is the rest of the Northeast this year? I think it's very good. I think there's a lot of parity. I really yeah. think that there's, you know, in years past, you had, you know, probably two or three teams that were, that were pretty dominant um, that, that you could see on paper and pass the eye test as well. Um, you know, right now, I would say, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of good teams that that probably won't make the tournament. I mean, that's probably the best. That's probably the best way to say it. Um, it, it is very deep, and you know, there's a lot of schools out there that you know are in in conferences similar to us that that need to win their league uh, to secure a spot. Yeah. And you know, that's it's very deep. There's and again, Batson, you know, right now is number one and. You know they're they're tremendous. They're they're probably, I mean they're clearly the best team on paper. And you know, um, as far as you know, talent and experience. I mean you can't take that away from them. They've got guys that have that have done it already. So yeah. uh, they're very good. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, certainly fun to talk about the Falcons again on the show. We kind of missed you. Uh, <laughs> I noticed it's been a little while since we chatted, but it's fun to get you back on. Obviously, two games left. A lot lot still to play for. And we uh, certainly wish you luck as you move forward in the GNAC race. As always, we give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? I just want to thank um, our athletic director, Jim Evermitis, and our administration for the continued support they give our program and the entire athletic department. Well said. Those guys certainly are important uh, to help you guys along the way. And uh, and, and that's... Uh, yeah, obviously, you guys have done a lot in the last under your tenure, and it's good to see you back in the mix. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, Coach, and we'll look forward to talking uh, about the Falcons, we hope, in March as well. Great. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Mitch Oliver joining us once again from the Northeast region and the Albertus Magnus. They've got that one-game lead, as we mentioned, in GNAC. It's up on Johnson & Wales. they got two games left to play. As he says, it looks like they can probably wrap it up with one more win, but you still don't want to kind of leave it to chance. 
win out, and they're obviously at home, and then get into the NCAA tournament by winning the GNAC tournament. I'm going to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, go to women's basketball. And, of course, this is Sunday, so we'll go to the WBCA center court. We'll talk to a 600-game winner. Judy Blinstrup from Babson will join us here. We'll talk about those 600 wins, her career at Babson, and a lot more outside of that. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville. Uh, when we come back here online, as we always do it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State. Won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Just typing away here as we get ready to go. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you're watching the show live, it appears our YouTube channel is back up and running at least somewhat uh, successfully. I don't know what the problems were at the beginning of the show, but if you're watching us on demand or listening to the podcast, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, so uh, ignore that, I guess. Um, we got a few more segments. Don't forget, coming up, the Hoopsville Mailbag segment. We'll also talk about the fundraising efforts. They're kind of a little sluggish, and we've got about a little over two weeks left to go. So we need to kind of get a big push here, uh, or things are going to fall flat. Um, and plenty more to talk about. So, again, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Listen to the simulcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, however you want to interact with us. We certainly appreciate it. Now switching gears and jumping up into the Northeast, which is experiencing a nice blizzard as we speak. I'm a little bit jealous as it's been a pretty lame winter down here in Maryland. But nonetheless, uh, it could affect some things this coming week with games. We hope not. Um, but there's a story up there we've been keeping an eye on for several weeks as one coach is closing in on 600 wins. It is the head coach of the Babson Beavers women's basketball team, Judy Blindstrub, closed in on 600 earlier this week with a win over Emerson, 72-51. So it sounds like the perfect segment to have in the, uh, N in the WBCA center court because this is Sunday evening and our Women's Basketball Coaches Association partnership gives us the chance to talk to coaches who are either succeeding tremendously on the floor or maybe doing some fun stuff off of it. And Judy Blinstrub, I think, fits that with 600 wins, don't you think? 14th coach to hit that mark, and she joins us on the City of Salem. Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, and congratulations. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, when you put the schedule together and knew you were closing in on 600, did you purposely put Tufts in the middle of January? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tough city so I picked them to help me get to that six hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I assume you told them, "Listen, could you do me a favor, right?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, you've had a pretty good season. I, again, the second uh, loss of the season at Amherst uh, by five, though, and that's a pretty darn good squad. You lost to Mass Dartmouth by eight. Tufts, unfortunately, was not so pleasant with you, and then you had a double overtime loss with MIT by four. Overall, it certainly seems like you guys have had a pretty darn good season this year. Yeah, it's been a good season. I'm really pleased because I have uh, four seniors, and, uh, you know, I really want them to have a good year this year. And um, so far, so good, and hopefully we can keep it going down the stretch. Obviously, the men's team probably is getting a little bit more attention than yourselves. Is that maybe almost um, a blessing in disguise? You guys can just kind of do your business and, and not worry about too much attention? Yeah, we're kind of getting used to that. Um, the men have been pretty successful <laughs> the last couple of years. So um, as long as we're doing our job and uh, 
staying successful ourselves. I'm happy with that. Um, <laughs> they're a great squad. I actually enjoy watching them a lot, and uh, we're a very close team. I was going to say, have you tried to get Joey maybe to, uh, um, you know, put on, put on a wig? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put on a wig and maybe help you out a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too is it makes it seem with with the everyone watching Amherst, everyone watching Tufts, and then obviously your men's team getting a lot of attention as well. That your success has been a little bit under the radar. Eighteen, I mean, nineteen and four, thirteen and one in the new Mac. In a lot of years, that would be garnering quite a bit of attention, and it seems like you guys have just kind of been been kind of putting the 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 was it the hard hat on and getting to work, and all of a sudden everyone kind of turns around and goes, "Oh wait, why did we forget about them?" Is is that kind of the feeling? Has that been the team's mentality a little bit? No, you know we're used to that. Um, you know we've we've had our years of doing pretty well in the new Mac, and um, you know every year is different, but this year it's more of just getting. Day by day, making sure we're doing our job on the court and, um, you know, making sure that we win the games that we need to win. Uh, 600 is your last one against Emerson. Love to talk more about that. You've had your entire career, certainly, at Babson. And to win 600 has got to, I mean, it says a lot on a lot of different levels. But what did that win mean to you when it was finally clinched? Well, it was, um, you know, some part of it was a relief, <laughs> um, but it was also, um, you know, it was a nice moment. Um, I'm really happy because I've had so many uh, great players that have gone through my program, and, you know, it's about them as much as me and a lot of great assistant coaches. So, um, you know, it takes, as you know, it takes a lot of people to be successful in a program. Interesting enough, we should point out, you also have 200 wins in soccer. You were the women's coach for 20-some-odd years at Babson as well. You're the only one in Division Three history with that in Mark, 600 and 200 in two different sports. I, I do find it interesting that your alma mater seemed to be the, the usual uh, milestone marker. You won 200, 400, and 500 against them. Um, I do not see them on this year's schedule. Uh, did yeah. they kind of see what was coming and said no to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get to play them the last couple of years because the new max schedule rotates now yeah. with them um, only playing sixteen games. Yeah, but it's always it was always fun to go back to the alma mater. That's for sure. Yes, uh, I, I can imagine. Um, Twenty-eight winning seasons in thirty-three years. We were talking to Mark Edwards earlier. He's in his thirty-sixth season at at WashU and has only had three losing seasons. That is really tough to do. What's been the secret? Um, you know, like I said earlier, we're just fortunate. I've had a lot of great, dedicated athletes, and you know, we have a great support system at Babson. Um, they really get behind athletics and give you what you need to be successful. Um, and the student athletes are very driven at Babson, which um, makes my job easier as a coach. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely other priorities, uh, as it were. Um, when 100 came in 91, 296, and as we said, you keep moving through at a pretty good pace along the way, uh, getting your 600 against Emerson. Um, what's been the reaction to it? Um, I, I don't think it's any reaction right now. You know, I think um, I'm trying to get them to focus now on the, <laughs> the next week ahead. We got two big games coming up with, against two really strong opponents, and um. You know, that's what I want to think about now, and I know that the team is rallying around that and really striving to, you know, come in number one this week. I'm not letting you, Coach. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, a, you're a win away from uh, 20 wins again for the eighth time in nine years, which is also extremely difficult to do. I mean, and we don't forget the 30-1 and, and one season back in 2011 all that much. Um, 
what's though the next evolution to this program? Is it getting to a Final Four? Is it? Can you get past a Tufson and Amherst, or have you guys hit? You know, the not the climax, but the peak of where this program can be, and you just want to stay there at this point. No, I think everybody strives to go to a Final Four. Sure. Um, you know, unfortunately for us, our, our our probably our best team ever was the thirty and one year, the two thousand eleven and twelve years when um, we had to go up against Amherst in the Elite Eight, and they were the national championships in one year, and then they were in the Final Four the final year. You know, like so. I guess if you're got to go through the best to get there, you know, and you got to beat them. So um, I was fortunate to go to the lead eight a couple of times with some great players, and um, hopefully we'll get there again. In your 33 years of coaching, that you, it's got to be more than coaching for you. And obviously, it, for a long period of time, you had women's soccer to concern yourself with, so it probably kept you just a little bit busy. But what do you what do you do now in your free time if you have any free time to speak of? <laughs> well, not a lot of free time. Well, we have. Um, I'm also the associate athletic director, and um, I'm involved with a lot of the coaching aspects. Um, uh, doing a lot of coaching roundtables, involved with administrative work um, in the office um, and on campus. I'm involved with a lot of stuff on campus, so that keeps me busy. And then in my free time, um, I do a lot of workouts. Well, uh, that's certainly a little bit more exciting than my life. Um, <laughs> I'd love to be doing the workout part. That just hasn't happened. Uh, obviously, scouting and recruiting is important, and getting ready for what is ahead is important. This is an interesting new MAC this year. Uh, maybe underappreciated. MIT at nineteen and four with the same record you guys are, with a game back at twelve and two. Springfield is twelve and two as well at seventeen and six, and WPI is nineteen and four and eleven and three. And don't forget Smith sitting at sixteen and seven. You know, I'm used to the new Mac being tough at the top, but it seems this year it's deeper and tougher than usual. Yeah, I really think we have um, one of our best um, of all the teams we've had in the past in our conference really this year seems to be um, the strongest. You know, I think we're right up there with an SCAC, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, I, I'm really excited that, you know, that all the teams are doing so well. It's nice to have um, so many teams that are successful and, you know, beating a lot of teams in New England that we normally don't, you know, weren't able to beat in the past. So hopefully it will um, be an exciting tournament. So I got an interesting question for you per the tournament. Would you rather be at home or with like maybe the first weekend or something and knowing the chances are you might have to run into Tufts or Amherst, or would you rather be maybe get sent on the road early if it means you might be able to avoid those two teams until possibly even the final four? You know, I just want to get there. <laughs> okay, I get that. Um, you know, you know, just getting there, it's so hard to get there, and I think uh, it wouldn't matter to us as long as we get there who we have to play. Like I said before, you have to go through the best to get there Yeah. Um, to the finals. So, you know, it doesn't matter if we're going to be home or whether we're on the road. You know, we just have to have the opportunity to play in it. Now let's quickly talk about your team. Um, a squad that is somewhat young. You don't have a lot of seniors on your team. You have uh, three, um, and then a whole mess of or four. I correction. I'm sorry. Can't, I can't apparently can't read. Uh, a lot of uh, sophomores and juniors. You t- you seem to be reloading every year now instead of or maybe even retooling. Um, you have three players in double figures. Um, you've got one player who's who's got ten and a half rebounds and six points a game in Jennifer Gnarly. What's been the what's been the, the 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 recipe for this team that's been so successful? Well, 
I think the three seniors, um, one of our seniors has been out all year. She just came back from an injury. But the three seniors that have been playing have, you know, really stepped up their game. Um, and they all have different um, attributes. Um, you know, Jen Nolly is just a great defensive player, a great rebounder. You know, and then um, Giovanna, our, our captain, uh, she's just, she knows when to take over a game. Um, and she can dig in on defense and shut down the best player on another team if we ask her to. And then Taylor's just your blue collar worker you know you always need one of those on your team the three of them are such great leaders and have such a great work ethic that it's really brought the younger kids along really quickly this year obviously you've been dominating team 74 points to 57 and a half points so is this an offensive team because that's a lot of points per game or is this a defensive team since it's below 60 well, we like to transition, you know, um, when we get out and we're running, um, we don't have to think a lot, <laughs> so we play a lot better. Um, but I think it all transition comes off a good defense, so um, that's huge. And then our second efforts on the boards has been a big help this year. Uh, talking to Judy Blinstrub, again, the head coach of Babson, win number 600 in their last one out against Emerson. Is it a little weird, Coach, to have had this weekend off? Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's been a little different having a snowstorm, you know, on Thursday and another one today. So yeah, it's been different. So gotta gotta get ready though for this week coming up. Um, the other thing you mentioned the snowstorm got nailed by one at the beginning of the weekend or, or late in the week, um, and and getting nailed by one again now. It's yeah. a New England winter. I mean, it certainly pales in comparison to the one a few years ago. But how how much stress does that put on a program, especially at the end of the season when you've got less time to maybe get some of these games in your next one's Wednesday against WPI. I don't have any idea that that would be postponed, but does it add any pressure, especially if you have to cancel a practice here and there? Yeah, it definitely does. You don't want to mess up your routine right now. You know, you want to be able to get, um, you know, get up the practices that you need to get ready for each game, you know, and also being in there and, um, you know, sitting and breaking down tape with the, you know, the athletes and stuff is very important. So you're hoping that the snow doesn't affect any of that, but, you know, it's all said and done. You still, you know, as long as you get to play the game, that's all that counts. Um, well, it's certainly going to be fun to see how you guys finish this one off. You've got a, a game lead on MIT and Springfield, and I, you have Springfield ahead on the schedule, uh, WPI and Springfield, two really good teams. I suspect you don't need to to focus this team. They know what's ahead, and they know how important these games are. Yeah, they do. You know, we played WPI earlier in the year, and uh, we beat them in their gym, but we know they're going to come back and give us a great game, you know, and uh, we lost them, uh, you know, with seven seconds left in the championship last year, so my seniors are not going to forget that. Um, and then our Springfield, we only get one shot at them this year with our schedule the way it is, so, so that's a huge game for us, and we uh, Springfield's always been, a you know, a really tough opponent, so we'll have to be ready, and I'm sure they will be. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Before we let you go, as part of the WBCA Center Court, we have some fun asking some questions that we ask every single coach so we kind of hear the different answers out there and different philosophies. Do you mind having a little fun with us? Sure, not at all. Uh, they're, they're pretty easy. That's the first warning. Uh, and you can just go with what's ever off the top of your head. We're, we're certainly not looking for any SAT-type answers. So. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, I didn't do well on those either, so I'm not going to create any. Uh, first and foremost, obviously with 600 wins in 33 years, what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division III? Uh, seeing my students, athletes, um, you know, have that success in when they get out of college to be successful in the business world. 
That's that's a good one. I certainly like that one. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve, though? My biggest pet peeve? Um, when they're not ready for practice on time. <laughs> <laughs> Are you one of those um, uh, five or on time is five minute late type coaches? Yes, yes. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, what's your favorite rule or nuance of the game? Um, I like the uh, change to the four quarters. It's, uh, I think it's made a good um, impact on the game. Okay. I, I, I like it, too, to be honest with you. I hope the men go that way. However, what rule would you want to see either added, removed, or changed? Um, I think I would like to see added that we um, maybe went to the 45-second clock. Really? I'm like, just kidding. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's like, that's no, a I'd, new one, Coach. I'd actually like to see a short in the 30-second clock. Really? Even shorter? Yeah, I think it'd be great. It'd, you know, it would speed up the game a little bit. I don't hear those comments from people very often. That's interesting. I kind of like it where it is, but okay. Um, any pregame ritual or superstition? Um, I always have to have a workout the day of a game. Okay. I can understand that one. Um Considering you're dealing with a blizzard right now, this might be an interesting answer. What's the craziest travel experience you've ever had? Uh, driving to New York in a blizzard, actually, that ended up being a two-day trip. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's not good. Yep. Two days? Yeah, two days to get to uh, New York to go see a recruit. Just <laughs> to see a recruit? It wasn't yep. even a... Oh, man. You, I hope. Did you get the recruit, I hope? Yes, we did, and okay. she was very good for us. So. Okay, well, that works then. If it, if it had gone the other way, I would have felt really horrible for you. Um, how do your assistants describe you as a coach? Um, I think low-keyed. Um, I like to have a lot of fun. Um, I'm demanding of my players. Okay. Um, but very committed to my players. Uh, okay, I can see that. Um, interesting. Next question per that travel, travel experience. What do you tell a recruit that gets them excited to commit to Babson? Um, I think all the success that the student-athletes have once they graduate. That's a good answer. Uh, it's about the future. Uh, and finally, because um, all coaches do retire at some point, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach? Um, that I was a good professional person and someone that they admire. Very nice. Coach, I appreciate you taking time to join us here on the WBCA Center Court. Enjoy the last couple of weeks of the season, even if you are in the midst of a, a big race. Um, and good luck in the conference tournament. We hope to be talking about not only the men's team, but you guys as well in March in the NCAA tournament. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, stay away from these blizzards in New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's your back, coach? Thank you. Take care, and t- uh, we'll, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right, take care. All right, Judy Blindstrup joining us from Babson. Again, 19-4 and four overall. Team is 13-1 in the new MAC. Subtly good conference. And, you know, we've been watching the NESCAC for good reason with Tufts and Amherst, but you got to go take a look at the new MAC. It has been pretty darn good basketball. And two really good games ahead for Babson, WPI, and Springfield. They're both at home, which will be important, certainly, as they try and lock up home court advantage for the new MAC tournament. Of course, the biggest key here is try and get into the NCAA tournament. Of course, thanks to the Women's Basketball Coaches Association for their support of Hoopsville and the WBCA Center Court segment. Appreciate them taking the time. We've noticed that YouTube's acting up again, so we hope you're enjoying the show on Facebook. And if you know anybody who's having trouble watching us live, tell them to come over to Facebook Live. That's why we simulcast the show. 
Now, of course, the archive and podcast should not have any problems. Uh, we hope YouTube figures out whatever their problems are. Maybe it's that blizzard in New England that's affecting us. When we come back, we'll stick with the women's basketball theme. and We'll head down to Tennessee, talk Maryville women's basketball with Coach Darren Trevilian. They just lost their game to Piedmont yesterday, but things aren't all that bad. What does he think of how his team is performing? You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We realize that the YouTube version of our stream is down. We're really not sure why. It's not on our end. It's not even down. It's just acting up. I do wonder if the weather has anything to do with this. Uh, however, the Facebook Live simulcast is working just fine, and so use that uh, to join us and talk with us. Um, again, uh, mailbag segment coming up. If you've got questions for us, we'll try and answer them there. We'll also show you a great segment uh, in women's basketball on ESPN the other night and talk about some other things, including an update of what our scheduling is the rest of the season. Speaking of women's basketball, uh, we'll slide from the new Northeast down to Texas. Texas. I meant Tennessee, down to the South region and Maryville, Tennessee. Women's basketball coach Darren Trevilian's got a good squad on his hands. They're 21 and 4, though we've gotten pretty accustomed to 21 seasons from this team. Unfortunately, they just had their nice long winning streak come to an end thanks to Piedmont on Saturday. Um, but now they, they kind of wait out to see how things will, will finish out. They've got a two game lead on the West Division, but they're keeping an eye on everything to make sure that they get to host the conference tournament. I'm pretty sure they will host that tournament, but. To get uh, an absolute answer to that, we must go to the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. And Darren Trevilian joins us there to talk about his Scots basketball team. Coach, welcome back to Hoopsville. Thanks, David. Good to be back with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, are you guys in position to host? I, I always, the USA South <laughs> sometimes confuses me. It's confusing, and it was confusing up until today. There were <laughs> multiple coin flips yesterday, and it was, it was pretty interesting, but but ultimately, yeah, the way the way that it's set up right now is you've got, um, you know, we're in divisional play this year. Yeah. And so you're going to have four host sites coming up this weekend. Ooh. And uh, we're one of the four. Piedmont is one of them. And then Ferrum and Aver are hosting on the other half. Um, winners winners from those sites will advance. And then the the highest remaining seed left standing would be the host for a uh, for a final four. That would be cross-divisional the following weekend. And should you win out, it looks like that would be you. That that would be us. Okay. Um, you know, obviously we want to try to get through Saturday with the sure. range and, and see where it plays, but but we, we put ourselves in that position. And that's a little bit different now because the USA South is so much larger now. This is a little bit of a different structure than it has been in the past. Yeah, very different. It, it uh, Right now it's reminiscent of the ACC, I think. So it, yeah. is, uh, it is large. A little yeah. spread out, though. <laughs> it, yeah, geographically quite a quite a bit of distance to cover, and and we we did a little bit of that this weekend with the Salem the Piedmont trip that you yeah. talked about a moment ago. Um, it's interesting to, to to look at how this season has progressed for you. Um, you certainly did not shy away from some teams this year. You took on Thomas Moore, and they thanked you um, for for that game. Um, you right. lost to Wittenberg, unfortunately, as well, uh, but beat Denison. Um, right. Ferrum got your number, but the, the rest of their division took care of them for you. And then you went on a tear. Um, 
and it started on the uh, on the other side of New Year's. Despite a delay of the Salem Piedmont games, you got back on schedule with them. And Piedmont's the only one that's tripped you up in the 2017 side of things. So I'll start there. What happened on Saturday? Yeah, um, well, we played we played a really good Piedmont team, and if you if you look at their schedule, they're undefeated at home this year, and it is a it is a very difficult place to play, and it, it's an intense rivalry of ours. There's no doubt about that. And you know, I, I thought both teams came out there ready to go. They they did a little bit better than we did. They made some they made some big plays late, and uh, we had some opportunities and just couldn't quite either get the get the big break, get the big bucket, you know, pull one more rebound, that kind of thing, and. It was just one of those deals, you know. You you talk about overall what we've done, and you know we're we're 21 and four. And if you take away the Thomas Moore game, which I would love to do, other than SOS points, um, you know we're we're four possessions away from being 24 and one. So I, you know it's just one of those. You hopefully you learn from it, and uh, had, we had chances. We had chances, but it was a great win for for Piedmont. It, it put them in position to host. Uh, you know, so it did some good things for their team as well. Yeah, certainly um, a lot uh, a lot involved in that game, as it were. Um, but you had gotten the win over Salem prior to that. You'd had been kind of alternating home and away. You don't see that a yeah. lot. You started things with a bunch of home games, three in a row, and then you started the alternation, as it were. Has that been a benefit for you guys that you just haven't gotten comfortable with either, and so you always kind of have to be ready? I, I think so. I mean, you hope so more than anything, I guess, at this point. But but it's a it's a grind. I mean, you're you're playing you know, all the back to back games. I know there's a lot of other conferences that do it that way, and, and several that that don't do it. They have the, the travel day in between. But you know, when you do the when you do the back to back, the real trick is you're going to play you know Friday Saturday, and then you have a midweek game potentially, and then another Friday Saturday coming right off of that so you're talking about five games in nine days uh that that's the tough part and at some point you forget when you're home when you're away and you you know you're just kind of wandering from site to site but um you know the thing that we try to talk about is if you're going to win this tournament in, in our league you, you've got to be able to win on back-to-back days and so it you hope that it prepares you for that we set our schedule up to hopefully do that and you know in the first half of the season as well as play as many tough back-to-backs as we could so it's the, the the ebb and flow of the home and away thing it, it's that's just the the luck of the draw by you know our scheduling and it, you know we did okay with it I mean it, obviously that last last weekend last trip doing the Salem Piedmont swing was really really tough and uh, I think I think it got a little got us a little bit at the end. Um, so being home is obviously important. Then are you still on the uh, South Regional Committee? I'm not. I uh, okay. I I've, was uh, filtered out this year, and Brian Harvey from Ferrum is is doing it this year. And uh, I have to say, it's kind of nice not <laughs> being in on it and watching it from afar. Um, I, I certainly appreciate the hours that that go into that. Sure. Um, but I also appreciate that we were in the in the first ranking at number three. So I, I thank all those folks for their fine work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what have you learned from that? Because it looks like you've changed the scheduling a little bit. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is you learn you learn how you have to schedule. I mean, you you know you have a certain number of games within your conference that you know you're going to have, and you know that just to be frank, it may not help you when it comes to strength of schedule, but that's just the way it goes. And everybody in the country has dealt a hand like that. Um, so from there, you have to start looking at okay, what do we what can we do within our region? Who can we go play? And and you, you know you got a lot of SAA teams on our schedule. We play Emory every year. Um, so you try to pick, you try to pick those regional games. They're going to be good. And then, and then honestly, you're, you're keeping an eye towards the other NCAA tournament type teams from other conferences. So, 
You know, uh, Jeff Hands called me and said, hey, you want to come to Thomas Moore and play in a classic? I think I got a couple good teams. Absolutely. I'm going to go do that, you know, and, and you, you pick up as many of those as you can. Um, you know, quite, quite honestly, because we've, we've had some success here where, you know, we get a lot of phone calls from other teams that are in the same boat as us that are saying, how do we strengthen our schedule? And so we, we can work those kind of games out with each other. When you look at where you are, were you third in the region? I think you were. Yeah, um, we were. That's and, right. And looking at your scenario, I think your SOS was a little bit low, uh, maybe yeah. below 500. When you look at all of that, knowing what you know, how important is the upcoming tournament? That's uh, huge. I mean, you can never predict, you know, what line they're ultimately going to get to when they're putting together those at-large bids. You, you just don't know, but... Um, you know, looking at our tournament, I, I feel like we're in a position where we're only going to play teams with winning records at this point in our conference tournament, so that's a good thing. Um, you, you know, I, I figure we need to win a couple games to, to feel good, I and I don't know if you ever feel good. I mean, <laughs> we've had at large bids in three of the last four years, yeah. and I was on the committee and was still sweating bullets all the way through. So, I mean, you never feel good, and, you, you know, you're not comfortable as you're watching the selection show, but... Um, but, uh, you know, you look at your overall body of work, and, and you mentioned the SOS. There's only so much you can do there. You, you try to get as many good games as you can. You root for those teams to win like crazy when you're not playing them. We've tried to do that and try to win try to win every other game you can. And, again, you know, we've we've put together a really good regular season, and, and now we feel like we need to win some games in this, in this conference tournament. And the best thing is to win the whole thing, and then you're feeling really good on Monday as you're watching the show. Sure. Um, when you look at what is going on in terms of the uh, regional rankings, do you have any confidence that this this conference can possibly get a second team in? And God forbid it may be upsetting you in a conference championship, for example. Um, or is this going to be a one-bid big league this year? It's going to be a one-bid league, I think. I mean, I, you know, um, I, I think looking at the ranking, I mean, and this is me just speculating more than anything else, and having been on it and knowing how how close some of those rankings come every year. I think if we were to get to a final and get upset, um, I think that's the only way you're looking at two. Honestly, I don't think I don't think you're going to get an at large if it's if it's not coming out of that championship game. I, I just don't see it with given the numbers. Uh, I'd, I'd be really surprised by that. Uh, granted, you might be in the best position, um, just considering where you are with 20 wins and plus, right. and by that point, you might be in a much better spot to do that. Um, let's right. talk about the team before I let you go, because obviously it's yeah. the players um, who do a ton uh, of this, as it were. Uh, they're the ones that you're sending out there into the fray. Um, <laughs> you've got uh, a handful of seniors, if if memory serves. I'm waiting for a website basically to load here. It's going a little slower than I, I thought. You. Um, you've got... Three seniors, and one of them is leading the way. And Allison, is it Friermuth? It's Friermuth. Yeah, Friermuth. Yeah, Fri- Allison Friermuth. Yeah, I she's, like that. she's been. Yeah, it's awesome. She's she's been an absolute warrior. Um, you know, she she transferred to us as a junior and uh, was a huge part of last year's Sweet Sixteen team. Um, you know, was was pretty much a double double machine last year, and and quietly kind of played that role. But this year, we needed her to step up and take over. And you know, this year we lost. Our starting point guard in the Thomas Moore game, we lost our starting two in the Rhodes game. We lost a senior, Mindy Bracken is one of the seniors who was on your list. She was our, our leading returning scorer from last year. We lost her in the Oglethorpe game. So we had all these players that you were thinking were going to be part of the mix that basically by New Year's were not. And Al took her game to a whole different level and just 
her her determination to win has has pushed everybody to a different level. You also, I mean, 11.9 points a game, averaging 10.2 rebounds, so a double-double, not too bad, nearly two assists a game on top of that, a steal and a half and a block and a half per game. Madison Maples, a junior, 11.2 points a game. Lauren uh, Billiter, a junior, 10.3 points a game. 9.3 each from Rachel Hahn and, ha- and Haley Talbot, also juniors, at 9.3. Um, and we should mention Billiter at 5.1 rebounds and Hahn at 7.3 rebounds. Uh, so you get a lot of contributions from a lot of players and nothing against Allison or the rest of the seniors. You're also built for next year, too. You hope so. I mean, you know, I think, you know, as you look at those numbers, it, Maybe not one of them is incredibly gaudy outside of, of the double-double thing, but, but you see there's some really good distribution. We've had different players step up and, and have some really big games. You know, Rachel had a 20-rebound had a game this weekend. And, you know, Lauren Builder has had near triple-doubles, and, and Haley Talbot took over as a starter for us and has pumped in double figures since taking over. I mean, it's, it's been by committee. Um, the biggest thing for us is defensively we're holding people right at 50 points per game, and we've been – close to 18 assists per game. And so everything about it has been team, 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 and they've, they've bought into that, and that's what we built ourselves around. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can find a way to win this conference tournament. I'm, I'm hopeful we can get the NCAA again and win a little bit. And, but at the same time, as you mentioned, with an eye to the future, you've got a lot of really good players who've taken on brand-new roles this year that, you know, probably were a little bit ahead of the curve and were pressed into some bigger roles than what we might have anticipated on October 15th. Um. Not that I want to give anybody else necessarily a scouting report, but if I were to ask you what the weakness of this team is, what is it? Coaching. Coaching. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, um, no, I, I think probably the, probably the weakness of our team um, is you don't, have, you don't have that 20 point per game player like you had in the past for us with McKenzie Puckett. Um, and so on the one hand, it, sometimes that's tough. And so you're going into a game waiting to see who's going to get that feel. And then you kind of go that direction a little bit. Um, at the same time, I think that's been a strength because different people have had to step up in crucial moments. And I think that makes us a little bit unpredictable in terms of scouting sure. report. Um, I, you know, I, I think those would be the, the, the biggest thing is just, you know, who is it who's going to come and, and put in big numbers for you that night? Cause you're, you're kind of waiting to see how it develops sort of organically yeah. that game. Yeah, I, obviously uh, it, it it can come down to coaching. It also comes down to playing. But I, I at least appreciate your honesty that it comes down to coaching. <laughs> um, you're only averaging. 50... I try not to screw things up. Dave. I, screw <laughs> I, things I up. hear you. Get out of the way, right? Uh, right. Averaging fifteen and a half points a game. Fifteen and a half points a game. That's that's not a lot of scoring allowed. Um, and if I look at the schedule, well, Thomas Moore scored seventy-one on you. Wittenberg said right. scored seventy on you. Uh, that's it. Um, that's it for teams who've scored 70 points. I mean, you guys are tough on defense. Um, what's been the secret to that sauce? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we spend the majority of our time in practice work on the defensive end. And, you know, it became pretty clear to us early on, like it wasn't going to turn into a shooting match. I mean, but if it was going to be a game in the seventies, I, I don't know that we're going to be successful playing that way. Gotcha. We, we realized it was going to have to be more locked down, and we were going to play multiple defensive looks, and we try not to show somebody the same thing twice when we see them and, and back-to-backs, that kind of deal. So, you know, we tried to mix it up a lot defensively. The kids the kids bought into that. I mean, they understood that that was going to be the identity. And, you know, you're talking about a lot of people who, who love to shoot the basketball, and when you're suddenly saying, I love that you enjoy shooting, but we're going to need you to enjoy defense a little more, yeah. that's sometimes a tough pitch. But our, but our kids have bought into it and have done a really nice job with it. 
Well, it's certainly impressive to see. Um, I noticed last year, I think we were talking to you as you were wrapping up your responsibilities on championship weekend. So <laughs> nice to talk to you maybe slightly earlier than that. Um, Absolutely. Good luck uh, with the tournament moving forward. Uh, we know a lot's on the line in a lot of ways, but a conference championship is the most important thing, uh, bar none. Uh, getting in the NCAA tournament's gravy beyond that. Uh, as always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuning in? Well, as, as always, Dave, I, I appreciate what you do in terms of covering our game and, and bringing attention to Division Three athletics and making it making it special because I think more and more people are realizing what these student-athletes are giving and, and how they make it go. And so I appreciate what you do. You know, in terms of our own team, I just, I, I've just been really proud of our kids. I mentioned we've gone through so much adversity this year with injuries, and, and it was a year when we knew we were going to be shuffling the deck. We graduated some great kids from a year ago, but we knew we had some good ones on the horizon. And I've just been really proud of the way the team has matured. The team has learned throughout the, throughout the ropes this year and, and figured out different ways to win. And it's been, it's been an unbelievable regular season for us at 21-4, and four, a regular season conference championship. And, and now we're just excited to see what we can put together in the postseason. Well, thank you, Coach. Um, looking forward to seeing how it turns out as well. Thank you for the kind words. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to seeing what the Scots can do come March. All right. Thanks, Dave. I really appreciate it again, buddy. Absolutely. Take care. Darren Trevelyan joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, again, the team is uh, clicking along 20 and 21 and 4 overall, 13 and 1. They were third ranked in the East Regions. The loss to Piedmont could change that. He doesn't think a second team comes out of this USA South. We'll see. And they're probably in the best position to be able to get. They are in the best position to get in that large bid. But we'll see what happens when it comes to the second week. The second week, week regional rankings are far more important and give us a better sense of what's going on. They're tournament bound for the conference ahead. We'll see where who they play and all that jazz coming up. That's to be updated. Uh, that starts this following weekend as they go over two weekends as well in a much larger USA South than it has been in the past. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll shift gears and talk men's basketball. We'll ba head back up a little bit up the eastern coast, head up, uh, talk Atlantic region with eastern men's basketball. New head coach, one of two new head coaches in the Mac Freedom, and those two new head coaches are leading the way. We'll talk to one of them. Eric McNally joins us. Eric McKelly joins us coming up on the show. Somewhere I'll get my brain working today. Too much distractions going on. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student-athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. 
If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. And so far, it has been the much better version of our live stream. YouTube seems to be back with us. It's been up and down all day, but it's not on our end. That's the best I can tell you. I wish we could uh, solve all the problems, but we simply can't. Um, if you got questions, we will try and answer them. I know there's a question regarding the FDU uh, floor and women's basketball coach. We'll answer that in the last block um, and answer any other questions that you may have as well. Shifting gears now, talking um, men's basketball now. We're back into the Atlantic region, appropriately with the FDU floor and women are located as well. But again, next block we'll discuss that. But the same conference, the MAC Freedom on the men's side. They had two new coaches take over programs this year in Eastern and Delaware Valley, and I don't think a lot of people expected a lot out of both programs. Both programs are at the top of the MAC uh, Freedom Conference um, and certainly playing well. Eastern is 15-8 and eight overall, 10-2 and two in the conference, and Delaware Valley is tied with DeSales. Delaware Valley is 14-9, DeSales, who I think was the favorite for everybody, was 17-6. Nine and three. So we figured we had to talk to one of these two coaches. We flipped a, a coin. Well, not really. I just chose Erica anyway. Uh, and we wanted to talk to Eastern. I got this chance to see Eastern earlier this year when they were at Goucher. And I'll admit, I kind of came into the game going, okay, yeah, I don't expect much of this. And, and halfway through, I realized, you know what? Eastern's on the verge of something. I just didn't realize it was going to happen this year. So it's an even better excuse to go talk to their head coach. So joining us on the City of, of Salem Skype hotline, Eric McNelly joins us. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. How you doing, Dave? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well, sir. Your voice sounds as good as mine. Don't worry. That's not a, <laughs> a knock at you. It's making me feel better about it. Um, you've got to be thrilled. I mean, your first year on, on the job. So for you, there was a lot, uh, a lot of things that were important about this first year. Was leading the conference part of that list? Well, uh, not necessarily. Um, and so we, I think every coach, when they get started, uh, have goals and have aspirations for their team. Um, I was the interim head coach last year uh, with the last-minute change of Coach Stewart taking the athletic director role. Um, so I, I do know this roster pretty well um, coming into this. So we, we knew we had something. We just had to work some things out early. I saw you guys again, like I said, at Goucher. And what, what, what really yeah. impressed me was they seemed to have a little bit more fire than they had had. And that's not a certainly a knock on anybody. It, sometimes you just find what suddenly works. What was the switch this year that seemed to turn things around? Because if you look at this season, you start off with two losses to Cabrini and Newman in the CSAC. And in the middle of the season, you guys went through a rough stretch. You lost to Eastern Connecticut. You lost to Susquehanna. You lost to Washington Lee, William Patterson, and DeSales. 
you know, five game losing streak right in the heart of the season can absolutely derail teams. And since then, it's like you guys woke up and it's a whole new season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the guys starting the season, we scheduled accordingly. Um, I thought we had a chance to be pretty good. Um, you know, so we challenged ourselves. You know, Cabrini's a rivalry game. That's going to happen uh, to tip off every season. It's a fun atmosphere for both campuses, so that's always going to be there. Um, they have a tremendous program, as everyone um, You know, we beat them last year. We went into this season expecting to do pretty well. Came out a little bit flat. Um, you know, a couple uncharacteristic mistakes early. Um, some poor play out of guys that, that traditionally now have really turned the corner, really carrying us. Um, so starting over two, we knew we were pretty good. Um, just that we weren't playing good basketball yet. Uh, rattled off five wins, played some pretty good competition. Hamilton really got us going, um, you know, gave us some life, let us really know that, that that's a pretty good team and a great conference. Uh, so once that win came, and then there was Rowan in your sinus, and that was about the fifth in a row there. And then, then the exam, everybody's got that in college basketball. you got to learn how to adjust to that. Um, we went down to South Florida, the tournament that we run, um, and I scheduled accordingly. You know, I wanted two of the harder teams in the – in the tournament to prepare us for the Mac Freedom Conference. Uh, from top to bottom, our league is extremely competitive. Um, records are in our league. Um, anybody can beat anybody on any given night, um, and there's a lot of respect I have, and every coach has in this league for one another and what we do. Um, so, you know, Eastern Connecticut State, extremely good. Had a, basically a tear of wins since playing us down there. Um, and Susquehanna, as everyone knows, top 25 team. So, you know, then the injury bug hit. You know, we, we lost three rotation guys going into the Washington and Lee tournament. Um, Victor Pena, our sophomore uh, forward, uh, his backup, Abraham Kernick, and a uh, backup point guard, Anthony Concepcion. So it all happened the first day after Christmas. They all come in for our first practice. We had two ankle sprains that were pretty bad in the hamstring pull. So, you know, we had to recreate ourselves in a hurry. Uh, tried to play small. We weren't very comfortable doing that at that point. Um, but we got through it, and I think we got some valuable lessons out of those losses. Um, and then we got in the league play. And what's interesting, too, is you talk about that rough stretch. You did play some really good competition, um, though it also looks like you just the, the grind of it all may have gotten to you guys a little yeah. bit. But it's interesting because the grind isn't what's getting to you now. Because this conference schedule has has been a grind. You're playing every couple of days, and you got to travel. Uh, certainly not not tremendous travel, though. The trip to Misericordia is not easy um, from any point of view. Just when you think you're there, you still got to go a little bit further. Um, so, how have the guys been doing mentally and 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 physically through this grind? You know, we, we've had some we've been playing through, um, but I think we have a, a good senior core of guys. Um, Shaquan Turk leads the way for us. Um, he's our best offensive player. Uh, he's been a first-team all-conference player the last two years, and uh, probably safe to say he'd probably be in the realm of that again uh, this season. Austin Carroll, captain point guard, has been through this grind of this conference for four years now, um, so we lean on him heavily. And, and, and then Tarek Hamza, believe it or not, doesn't get a lot of statistics on paper. Um, came here as a sophomore. Uh, led the league in three-point shooting, started at center for us at all of 6-2. Um, small when I was an assistant coach to Coach Stewart. Um, and he's just a staple of our program. He's the epitome of a captain. 
Um, he keeps us glued together, um, even though in a limited role. But when injuries do come in, we can count on him to bang threes down and, and do his job and take charges on loose balls and do the, you know win all those 50-50 battles that you want a kid to do. And um, So our captains are the reason we've been so steady this year. Um, they haven't had a lot of success here, uh, but I think the standards that we're trying to apply every day in practice um, they've become accustomed to competing daily. And we try to just, you know, obviously we game plan, we look at every appointed opponent for who they are. Um, but I think we got to beat ourselves before we beat anybody else. And we do that every day of practice. You got three players in double figures, which certainly helps uh, as well. Um, and they're, they're not necessarily who people would expect when you look at senior leadership necessarily. And you do have Shaquan, um, Turk, who is a senior at 18 and a half points a game and five rebounds a game. But then you have a sophomore in Victor Pena, who's certainly impressive to watch. 13 and a half points a game, nearly 10 rebounds a game. And then Austin yeah. Duncan. And uh, Duncan is a sophomore well at 12 points a game. You've got a lot of guys who, and by the way, assist-wise, it's Austin Carroll at, at nearly four assists a game. But you've got two underclassmen there who are certainly key keys to this cog here and I was going to ask you with the what is it five seniors on the squad if there's an urgency this season but with that many underclassmen um contributing I feel there's also some some uh security that maybe this team can keep developing in the next few years yeah that that's the plan um we knew we recruited well a year ago um you know Victor Penny is part of the Dominican Republic national team um he's got a lot of playing experience internationally under his belt um, but he's only 18 years old. He's a baby. Um, he's developing every single day. Um, in conference play, he's actually leading us in scoring. He's leading the conference and rebounding in conference play. Uh, he's at 16 and almost 12 rebounds a game. Um, and then Austin Duncan was here last year. Uh, we had a senior last year that was a thousand the best three-point shooters the school has ever seen uh, in front of him in Malcolm Garrison. Um, so we knew he was good. Um, he did a tremendous job when we put him on the JV program playing against junior college competition. He averaged 18 a game uh, against that kind of competition. Um, he just needed to wait his turn, and he did. Um, the coach's dreams, I've got two of those kids in my sophomores um, that are just yes or no, sir. Uh, we've taken a couple losses here to, to the sales and, and, and league play, and I can tell you the last time we lost here at home, um, they were – waiting for the crowd to leave and they got in the gym themselves. And then next thing I know, you know, Shaquan Turk was in the building and everybody came back and mm. you know, I tried to tell them get out and go get rest. But now they, they got in there and got shots up the whole night. And I, I just went home to my kids and, and heard about the next day. That's pretty impressive. Let's talk yeah. about this conference a little bit. Misericordia kind of came out of the blocks as the team. Everybody was looking at nine and one on the start, 10 and before things went a little bit sideways on them. Lost three in a row in conference play, then won four in a row, then two in a row. And I only bring them up because the conference has kind of changed a little bit. Again, I think a lot of people thought uh, Scott Coble and his DeSale squad would kind of be leading the way. Then Misericordia comes flying out of the gates. Uh, and then you guys and where and Valley kind of quietly just started your seasons and have emerged since. And now it's a four-horse race, essentially, though Misericordia is pretty much uh, out of it at 7-5. and five. Um, That's uh, three games back of you guys. DeSales and, and Delaware Valley, though, are, are a game behind you. This has been an inference this year. Uh, it's not going to get maybe necessarily rewarded in the NCAA tournament with a lot of extra bids, but 
it certainly shows that maybe the freedom can be a lot like the Commonwealth in the sense of deep, competitive, and maybe will change how the Atlantic looks, which has been NJAC dominant over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our league from top to bottom, even some of the schools you didn't mention, and Kings, I mean, Kings, they've lost seven games by possession, including yeah. against us. I mean, those guys, the ball just hasn't bounced the right way. It has nothing to do with their talent level, nothing to do with anything outside of that. I mean, they, they were picked to be high up in our league in the preseason poll. So um, Manhattanville is very strong. But, you know, Miss Accordia can score with the best of them uh, in the country. Uh, they've got guys up and down that roster that can shoot the ball from three. They've got size. Um, so, you know, yes, they're on the outside as far as the one seed, but week they could be set, uh, the second seed and hosting at home. You know, there, there's this league, there's a lot of stuff that still needs to play out in the next two games. Uh, we play at Del Val uh, on Tuesday, which will tell us a lot. Um, Coach over there has done an amazing job with that roster. Uh, what he's done and, and those guys, he's got some guys that have success, have gone to the NCAA tournament, have won the league, um, that have returned. Um, but for him, you know, they lost the player of the year in the conference. Yeah. They lost their starting point guard. So for them to be where they are, it's kudos to them. I've got the utmost respect for every coach in this league, but my hat's off to him in his first year doing what he's doing. I was going to say, that's the trick here, is you have a game lead, but you've got Delaware Valley coming up on Wednesday, and you can't not overlook Wilkes, uh, who's 11-12 and 12 coming up on the end. There's still a lot of work to do in this final week to position yourself for the Freedom, Freedom Tournament the following week. Oh, absolutely. And I, I miss accordion. The sales have got to play. The sales plays Del Val. There's too much basketball left for anybody to, to hang their hat and start resting guys. We're just not there. I mean, it's just not the way this conference is made. Wilkes, I know they're going to come in here. It'll be our senior night uh, or senior afternoon, 3 o'clock tip-off. Um, they'll be ready to go. They'll be fired up. Those guys are competitive. They're, they're a very good roster. Um, they were, you know, it was between them and Miss Accordia right now, and they they took a loss in the last game and, and knocked them out of uh, the playoffs. But they're more than capable. Um, they, you know, for us to be in the position we were in at 10 and two, you know, we're we're thankful we had a Victor Pena hit a game-winning three against FDU at home uh, to win that game. Uh, so the ball bounced our way that night, you know, and and we hit a off the Carroll senior point guard hit a uh, layup at the buzzer in regulation to go to overtime here at home against Misericordia. So that's the Max Freedom Conference. I mean, similar to the Commonwealth. Uh, you know, it's that league is never over. The team can beat every anybody on any given night. There's no clear-cut favorite. Should have asked you this earlier. I did see you, as I said, at Goucher uh, at the end of November, though it doesn't feel like yeah. the end of November. It feels a little more right. recent than that. Um, yeah. and the score was 70-53. I'll, I'll admit, I, I don't think the game was that far out of hand. I think it was a little closer than that. I think about halfway through the second half, it started to change a little bit. Um, yeah. What's the difference in your team? And obviously there's a lot different because we're talking end of November. But what is the difference from my, for, that would help me understand between the team I saw on the floor that night and the team that's on the floor now? Well, I, I think we're doing a couple different things. We started to wait until conference play came around. We started to mix some things up defensively. We've kind of worked in our non-conference schedule 100% on our man-to-man principles and some of the concepts that we have in place. Uh, we've kept that throughout. We still are a man-to-man team. However, we do throw some wrinkles out there that have kept teams a little off-balance coming out of the gates. Now, the second time around for everybody, there's really no surprises anymore with energy <laughs> yeah. out there. Um, 
you know, but the emergence of Victor Pena. I mean, his double-doubles in conference play, he's been dominant, I'll be honest with you. I mean, his stat lines have been extremely impressive. Um, and the way he's doing it, I mean, he shoots a high percentage from the floor, 50, over 50% from three. Um, and he's just set a tone. He, there's a fire in our locker room now, and it's, it's honestly revolving around this sophomore because he's very vocal. Shaquan Turk is about as explosive as an athlete. And I was at LaSalle University with John Giannini. Um, I was at Barry University with a couple couple professional uh, athletes that were on our roster there when we we went to the NCAA tournament. Um, and Shaquan Turk is right up there with any of those wings that, that I coached or, or was a part of those programs um, as an athlete and as a scorer. So, but Victor brings that emotional side. I, I like to think I'm, my mother is Cuban. So I'm Hispanic by descent. And uh, maybe the Hispanic side of Victor that comes out of the fire and the, the emotion comes hmm. out of him. And uh, it gets everybody going. Um, and the guys love him. Um, and and that's, I think that that's a kudos to everybody. Our locker room is so cohesive now. It wasn't that way a year ago. Um, we had a lot of younger guys trying to get starting jobs and trying to get minutes. And they just didn't understand college basketball yet and the grind that it is. Um, you know, and I think every program goes through that. But we, we started a developmental squad, a JV squad last year. And we had 18 new players come in to, on a ready 12-man roster. So we had 30 guys in our program. And that was just all brand-new uncharted territory So for Eastern uh, with those kind of numbers, that kind of volume. So once we got the locker room right, everything started to fall into place. And the emergence of some of these younger guys with our senior core, you know, Lincoln Holly's another senior that's been a uh, puzzle. So we're, we're very thankful up and down as a, as a staff. Before I let you go, I got to ask, you seem lost. Um, you're a Southern Florida guy. You, you, you <laughs> went to a, a, a Barry University outside Miami. You, you, you did some high school coaching in Miami. You're, you're, outside, you're outside New York and Philly here. Um, are, are you sure you're in the right place? Are, are you sure you know where you are in this country? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what yeah. got you up I, here? I get, I, I get reminded every time I walk out in the snow. Yeah. 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 Um, well, my, my story is extremely unique. Um, you know, I've been blessed along the way. My family blessed. Uh, originally, I came up here, got on uh, with John Giannini. I was mm-hmm. a director of operations for him in 08, 09. We, we hit it off through the recruiting circuit when I was a high school coach. And, and we just, you know, developed a bond and a relationship. He gave me an opportunity. Uh, so I came up here originally for my career, uh, but the, the way the Lord works, my wife's career really took off. Uh, she works for a fantastic company, uh, a company called Tech Systems, a Fortune 100 company, excuse me. Um, and she's a director for that company. So her career really took the front seat, uh, went back to South Florida because of her career. Started coaching at uh, Barry University. Um, got out of college coaching after Barry, became an athletic director at a, a Christian high school down there, Westminster Christian. Um, and then we got relocated to Indiana because of my wife's career, got out of coaching again. <laughs> uh, and then became, got relocated back here to Philly because of, uh, and this is the amazing part of that company, because of my ties in the area, the small ties I had, but John Genie being one, uh, got reconnected with him when I moved here uh, through some other mutual friends landed on Eastern. It's a couple blocks from my house, uh, right place, right time. So uh, I can't tell you how blessed I am to be back in coaching in the game I love and, and uh, to be able to 
you know, do this and still support my wife in the career that's really been supporting our family. Well, I can appreciate that. Sometimes the wives do have the uh, better careers, uh, as it were, and sometimes they happen to feed right uh, perfectly for everybody else. I can appreciate that more than you can imagine. I enjoyed watching you on the sideline. Just see where the uh, Latin background comes through, even even though you and I have similar Irish last names. There's less Irish in you than there is in me, that is for sure. Um, Irish Cuban. I'm a good blend. Yeah, I'm telling you. And talk about fiery (laughs) for all different reasons. Well, obviously, you got a lot ahead of you. Win or go home scenario for this conference, just the way the regional rankings look so far, though DeSale certainly is in a better shape than others, but you just never know. We'll see on Wednesday how it all shakes out. But the future looks bright for Eastern and uh, the MAC Freedom. I appreciate you taking time to join us here on the show and talk about it. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share for tuning in? No, Dave, I, I appreciate what you do. Uh, this is a tremendous show, a tremendous opportunity for people to hear everyone's voice in Division Three. Um, and uh, us over here on Eagle Road, you know, just across from Cabrini, we're, we're going to keep working our best and, and trying our best, excuse me, to, to build this program the way it should be built. Uh, one day at a time. We'll see how it goes. Well, we'll look forward Thank to you. watching it continue to grow after this year. Congratulations once again. Good luck the rest of this week here as you position to try and win the regular season title and obviously a conference title, which would mean a, a lot in the NCAAs. But nonetheless, good luck the rest of the way, and we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere down the road. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Looking Absolutely. Forward to it. Eric McNally joining us once again from uh, Eastern on the City of Salem Skype hotline. The team is is having a great year. The Mac Freedom's worth watching. 15-8 and eight overall, 10-2 and two in the conference. Big week ahead, and we'll see how it all shakes out in a week's time. We're going to take another break. When we come back, some also great video from SportsCenter on a Division Three women's basketball team, and we get we look a little bit ahead to Wednesday in the regional rankings. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, more Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. Programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com. www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. 
This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this show. We got a little bit of overtime before we wrap things up. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Um, let's see. Uh, if you've got um, questions for us, even if it's not on the air, please feel free um, to send them our way. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, for a future show. Don't forget, here's how this is going to work. We tested out a plan last week, and it seemed to work, despite some technical gremlins. Uh, regional rankings, the third set of regional rankings, come out on Wednesday. Second set, I, I, I said third by set of three prior to selections that will come out on um, Wednesday. Um, we will go on the air shortly after those... Um, Rankings go up, and the men tend to be first, and then the women follow. We were on the air about halfway, three-quarters of the way through the show when the women made an appearance. That will certainly be our plan this week as well. So look for us to hit the air on YouTube and on Facebook Live for that, um, and you'll get a chance to hear our first initial take. We'll admit sometimes it takes a little bit hard um, because we, we haven't had a chance to truly dive into um, what else is going on uh, or, or how they, the rankings came together. Um, so it's an interesting show, to say the least. Uh, we hope you'll enjoy it. Again, we'll be on the air coming up on Wednesday, shortly after the first set of regional rankings hit the air. Um, and then uh, Thursday again at 7 o'clock and Sunday at 7 o'clock. Um, that'll be the routine until two weeks from tonight, two weeks from tonight, we will go on the air earlier. Now in the past, we've gone on six. We're debating about it even going on as early as four o'clock next week uh, or that Sunday, I should say, just to tackle everything that's going on, uh, with, and not be on too late when we're making selections. So look for an earlier show, uh, coming up here on, uh, Hoopsville on the final Sunday of the regular season. Noah, many of you have been watching us on um, Facebook Live. We appreciate that. YouTube's been up and down. Looks like it's a little bit more steady to now. But if you're listening to the podcast or on demand, you shouldn't be experiencing any problems. Jay asked us in on Facebook Live, have you digging, uncovered anything about the ongoing situation of the women's coach at FDU Florham? Here's a deal. As we have talked about on the air, um, Mark Mitchell was um, suspended um, Due to uh, conduct unbecoming might be a good way of putting it. Um, certainly wasn't how the school wanted his uh, behavior to act. There's a lot of things that went on. I've described them on the air. Not going to rehash them too much. Um, but suffice um, he has still been parked. Um, he did not coach on Saturday. Now, the game on Saturday was against Delaware Valley. Um there, as one person put it to me, there was no way that he was coming back off suspension for that Delaware Valley game. No way that this, they would add insult to injury, considering basically it was the Delaware Valley game a few weeks ago that triggered the suspension. Now, the behavior date dates back to um, last year, and, and some would argue before that. 
But the, the, the icing on the cake, the straw that broke the camel's back, whatever metaphor you want to use, was the Delaware Valley game. There was, as one person put it to me, there's no way they were bringing him back um, prior to that game. Now, will he come back for the next two? What this has essentially done is put this team um, in an interesting scenario at FDU Florham. They were number one in the regional rankings last week and then lost. Um, they've only lost one game since. He's been parked for now six games with Manhattanville and Kings to come. The question is, does he still stay seated? What I have heard through the grapevine is that the investigation may be the president's point of view at the school. And by the way, I do want to point out, I'm not sure if it's the president of FDU as a whole, which has some sub uh, campuses like Florham, or the chancellor. I don't know that for sure. But I have been told this now may be in HR's hands, which means a decision is to be coming. I don't know the, the rest. Coach Mitchell's been interesting on Twitter. Um, remember, the suspension came down following the game on the 21st. He's not that busy on Twitter. But the one that came out after the 20... Actually, he's deleted a few, to be honest. Now that I look... In, um, he has deleted some tweets. Because I was going to go back and check them. But apparently, maybe he's getting it now. Because he has deleted some, some tweets... Again, the incident took place on Jan on January 21st. Well, maybe he hasn't. Let me go back here. January 21st is our date, so we're using that as our reference point um, just to see what he's tweeted in that time. Um, the day, basically, that we believe he was officially suspended, he tweeted, Adversity reveals character. Uh, three days later, turn your scars to star. Um... He retweeted a picture that says the hardest times often lead to the greatest moments of your life. Keep the faith. It will be all worth it in the end. Um, he retweeted one that says most of the time it's the end of the process where we discover the purpose. Embrace the process and leads to your purpose. You. Um, let's see. I, some of these other ones that he tweeted, I think he's actually deleted. Uh, feeling like I have a greater purpose. Something big is going to happen for me. Interesting tweet. Today is a new day. Each day I grow stronger and stronger is another tweet from him. Simply look at the product I put on the floor. The record speaks for itself. That was dated February 8th. You can read into that all you want. The problem is the product on the floor is more than just the record that you put up as well. Behavior, sportsmanship, conduct all is a part of this and there will be many who would argue with coach mitchell that the product on the floor is not as good as it can be and i think that has rubbed a few people the wrong way um and so he, he's had some interesting tweets challenges let's do it uh always walk with your head up always walk to the side of truth Always walk with a purpose. Always walk knowing that you may walk alone. Um, he retweeted one that says, Accept and acknowledge your own brilliance. Stop waiting for others to tell you how great you are. Believe it. It's been a fascinating set of tweets from him regarding all of this. And I, I, don't, I don't know how to read into it, but I can say... Um, 
I can say that it's just it, it's been rubbing some people who have told me he doesn't get it. Um, <laughs> we'll wrap this one up live. Ryan Scott's got a great tweet to me. He says, if you want to take suggestions from the audience, I cannot for the life of me find someone to vote for at 25. Ryan's a men's voter <laughs> in the top 25. Ryan, I feel your pain. Uh, so Ryan Scott is looking for suggestions in the top 25 ballot. Um, that's a good one, Ryan. I like that one. I might even take up a few people myself on that. Uh, we'll look to see what people may come up with, uh, to say the least. Um, case, we'll see where this goes. Two games left in the season. If he's back on Wednesday, then we that tells us a lot. It tells us the investigation may have revealed he did something wrong and him sitting was good enough. If he's not back on Wednesday, then we know the suspension's at least to the end of the regular season, if not the end of the season. That's going to be my my catalyst point. If he's not back for Wednesday's game, there's a bigger problem, and Coach is in bigger trouble than he thinks he is. And if he's not back on Wednesday's game, I will go out on a limb and say he may not be back, period. If he is back on Wednesday's game, we then see if the good enough and we'll see what the reaction from the conference members is as well that's going to be the deciding factor on the fdu florum case on the women's side um let's talk about another women's story that's a far uh, more uh, interesting to say the least and far more uh fun to talk about We've talked about the Geneseo story here in women's basketball. The fact that they are undefeated still, 23-0 now, despite the tragedies they've experienced in the last 13 months, is mind-blowing. What Scott Hemmer and his crew have done is tremendous. Hats off to them across the board. Well, it finally got some attention at ESPN and a D3 alum, Ithaca men's basketball player, Kevin Connors, wanted to make a point of... Um, recognizing it from his point of view. And here's what Kevin had to say on SportsCenter on Friday. I believe it was Friday night. All right, time for your boy KC to hand out his star. There's not a more remarkable group in college basketball today than the SUNY Geneseo women's hoops team. The Knights are one of five undefeated schools in Division Three, but believe me when I tell you that's only part of the story. Coach Scott Hemmer's team improved to 22-0 tonight. The 55-38 win at Oneonta. McKenna Brooks pumped in a team-high 15 points and 10 rebounds. Geneseo has now won 20 games in five straight seasons, but again, that's only part of the story. The Knights family has endured horrific tragedy in the past 13 months. First last January when senior captain Kelsey was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. Then just two months ago when freshman Savannah Williams was killed in a car accident while heading home for Christmas break. Through it all, the Knights have somehow kept their focus, unbroken, unbeaten. Senior guard Kaylee Cavanaugh told D3Hoops.com, some days are easier than others. Coach Hemmer admitted his ladies are playing for each other, playing to make their lost friends proud. Unbroken, unbeaten, and undeniably the most remarkable group in college basketball today. The Geneseo women's basketball team, my stars of the night. Thank you, Kevin Connors' kind words, and he's right about that Geneseo women's basketball team. Simply remarkable. Um, that's the least he felt he could do. I know Scott Hemmer and his team were very thankful of his words. I think they were very 
Well put. Congratulations to the Geneseo team. And if we had more time, I feel like being on the air for another hour, I would tell you the other story about another player on their team. And we may just do that down the road. But Kara Hopert, the feature on her, a former D2 player, full ride at Slippery Rock, decides to go home because her brother, who suffers from learning disabilities and early onset Parkinson's, misses her, for lack of a better description. She goes home, joins this Genoseal squad, has gone through the tragedy with them. She has started her own charity in, in honor of her brother. This team is full of incredible, incredible student-athletes, and they continue to win. They're one of five undefeated teams left in women's basketball. I almost don't want their season to end. It's awesome. So hats off to Geneseo. Hats off to uh, Scott Hammer's squad. I am quite sure we will get an update from him and his team in the very near future. Because we should get an update on them. One of those rare times we will read a guest earlier than usual because we just need an update. And maybe a little bit more of a positive update from that squad. Um, but congratulations to them. And thank you, Kevin Connors. Again, a Division Three alum. He played men's basketball at Ithaca. You might remember he came on the Hoopsville Marathon a year ago. Uh, so thank you to him. And thank you to um, ESPN as well for allowing us to uh, run that run that ad. Certainly appreciate it from there. Or not that ad, but that segment. Um, Kevin Kevin is a big supporter of Division Three, and I'm glad he was able to... Give a shout out, as it were, to the women at Geneseo. Going to go to the Hoopsville mailbag. We got a little bit of a different question today, and uh, I thought we would use it ourselves. So I hope you don't mind. We'll go to that now. If you got questions for the Hoopsville mailbag, don't forget, see that email at the bottom? Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Here's the question from Anonymous. Can you get too much Hoopsville swag? I say no. What is your opinion? Is donating every year permissible? <laughs> Uh, I thought that was pretty good. The answer is no. I can't. We can't get enough swag. Look, there's enough white in the background there that we can change it. And and we've talked about changing this entire background in in a lot of ways. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, Ryan and and Gordon will join me in this studio for a special whip around together for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. So there's going to be other walls that are going to have to get decorated. So no, um, we actually have some stuff that we haven't hung up yet. We're ready to do so and change some things around here. So, no, we can't get enough swag. We want more swag. We want to get as much stuff into this studio as possible uh, to decorate in the spirit of Division Three and especially in the spirit of Division Three basketball. So if you want to send us something from a team, please send it. Uh, as you can see, we treat it pretty well. Uh, you can um, email me or tweet me, and I will send you our address, and we will we'll put up more if we need to. Um, I've been threatened that sign, as you see, which we need to move a little bit higher up and don't, don't, don't be surprised if this back of the studio is changed in the next couple of weeks. That is our goal. Um, but we've been warned that we might get filled with wooden plaques. Uh, we don't know if that will end up being the case. Um, but that is uh, certainly something that we would be more than happy uh, to take on if necessary. Speaking of which, too, though, and donations, the Hoopsville fundraising project is underway. Unfortunately, it is not doing as well uh, as we as we wish it to. Um, I need to double check some links. We think maybe some of the wrong links have been going around, so we'll work on that this week. But we only raised about nine percent of our goal, which, to be honest with you, is hurting a little bit. We have a big goal, and we only have sixteen days left to it, and we're not doing so hot this year. Um, please consider donating. It's it's like 
it's like public television for us. You get to keep us on the air. Heck, if you d- contribute $75, uh, we will recognize you not only on our special contributors page, which we are working on. I'll also thank you on a, on a future Hoopsville show and send you a Hoopsville T-shirt. Just need your size and address when we sign up. There's other ones. You know, $10 will at least give you a shout-out. $30 will give you a shout-out on the air. 150 which somebody did pick up, and we need to go figure out who they want. You can get an interview on the show. You get to pick our guest. We need to figure out who that person is, and we will go and select them and get them on the show before the end of the season. There's even higher ones, but you don't also have to get perks. You can just flat-out donate if you want to, and we certainly appreciate it. For some reason, it's just not gaining a lot of traction this year. I would love to give you an explanation as to why. I simply don't have it. Um, but if we could, you know, it helps us stay on the air, helps us pay the bills. We, we don't have advertising, as you know. That said, I want to thank our first advertisers outside of what has been sponsors from WBCA, NABC, uh, D3 Hoops, and the City of Salem. George Fox University has agreed to be a sponsor or an advertiser the rest of the season. And starting on Wednesday's show, if we take breaks, and Thursday's show especially, you will see George Fox University ads. We have other schools who have expressed interest, maybe not this year, but in the future. If you have an interest in advertising on this show, especially if you are a university, let us know. We have a, a plan we can put up, and we will uh, we will do so. Um, and we would certainly um, appreciate your support. That's certainly another way people can support us. Um, Ryan messages me, by the way, he goes, seriously, I cannot find a number 25. Is there a precedent for leaving a spot blank? <laughs> Ryan, I don't believe you can leave a spot blank. Uh, I don't think the system allows you to do it. So uh, there you go. That's going to do it for us on tonight's show. Wednesday is is regional rankings. Again, I said this at the beginning of the show. I can't stress this enough. Um, this is when we truly get a sense of what is going on um, with the regional rankings and who's going to be truly in trouble and who isn't going to be truly in trouble. Um if we get there and we, see, you know, when we see the shuffling around, because results versus regionally ranked opponents now becomes a big deal, those decisions <clears throat> will become major because those teams in week two count towards those, you know, being um, regionally ranked at the end. So they can be in week two and not in week three, but it'll still count as a result versus a regionally ranked opponent. That's going to be important, and so. How this is going to impact the bigger scale of things, I don't know. Again, there's going to be a lot of at-large bids, and with men having so much parity, we're going to leave a lot of good teams home, plain and simple. On the women's side, I hate to say it, there's going to be a lot of good teams left home. On Wednesday, we're going to truly understand where the committee's looking. On the last week, we got a, t- a sense criteria being used this week we get a bigger sense there are going to be teams that drop out of the rankings that might surprise people there'll be teams that move into the rankings that will surprise people and you will see teams shuffle around the northeast in the men's side two through six is going to be fascinating to watch there's just no way Amherst stays at three i think middlebury now solidifies itself at two Heck, they might even jump into one, though I think it's going to be hard-pressed to move Babson out of there. Just the difference in the SOS, though, may play a factor. But Amherst may drop as far as six, and that's why this gets interesting. Amherst gets in a tough spot with six losses so far this year. I think they're in a tough spot. They're not as strong as they had been. There's a lot of people who think they're probably a lock. 
But consider this. They've lost to Wesleyan and Middlebury, who are also regionally ranked. They've lost to Wesleyan, who's also regionally ranked, but behind them. Game coming up against Williams that is going to be important. They beat Williams already. The conference game against Williams is going to be important. If I'm Williams, I'd rather have played Tufts. If they had lost, they would have played Tufts in the first round. They'll play Williams instead. But Amherst has has beaten Williams twice, so maybe that's the same thing that keeps Amherst from moving into sixth. They may slide to fifth, and that'll be okay. NESCAC could get four teams in, but how these next regional rankings shake out will be a good determination of that. And you've got other schools out there and other regions that are going to shake out in some interesting ways. The central region is going to be fascinating to watch on the men's side as well to see how teams shake out. The WIAC looking like after last year's one bid may easily get two extra teams in a total of three, whereas the CCIW might have the WIAC experience last year of only getting one team in, especially as more teams like North Park lose. Um, So Wednesday... Regional rankings will come out this week. They came out just before 2 o'clock on the men's side and around 3 o'clock on the women's side. Expect about the same timing. It just depends on how long the conference calls go for the for the national committee in the morning. Um, and we will go on the air as soon as the, as soon as the first rankings come out, whoever they end up being. Not as soon. We'll be on the air within about 10 minutes or less of that amount of time. We'll be in a hopefully a little bit better position than we were this time. By the way, Amherst has a game against Rhode Island College that is clearly not going to be made up, um, which may have some ramifications as well. So that's going to do it for us. We're going to uh, get off the air here. We thank you for tuning in, especially for all of you who weathered out the YouTube experience, which was a little bit of a struggle tonight. If you missed any of the show, go back and watch it on demand or listen to the podcast. We'll have the podcast up in a matter of time. Thank you for all our guests who appeared on the on the show today. Mark Edwards from Wash U, uh, Mitch Oliver from Alberta's Magnus, Judy Lindstrom from Babson, Darian Trevilian from Maryville, and uh, Eric McNelly from Eastern. Of course, thanks to their sports information directors for their assistance as well. Thursday, we'll be talking primarily about the East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions, uh, but we'll also certainly be talking about the regional rankings as well. Thank you for tuning appreciate your patronage. Please consider donating to the Hoopsville fundraising cause. I would certainly appreciate it and uh, will help us move forward as well. That's going to do it for Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the National Association of Basketball Coaches and Women's Basketball Coaches Association Studios. Also, thanks to the City of Salem, host of the Division Three championships for the 21st straight year 20th championship to be handed out if you want to go see some great basketball and have some fun you got to show up to salem they'll treat you right too down there in the roanoke valley check them out as well also in the future we'll be saying this thank you george fox university and other universities who have jumped on board to be advertised you've been listening to hoops hope presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios good night everybody we'll see you back here wednesday afternoon and again on thursday night for more Hoopsville, because if you want to watch Division, if you want to follow Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Good night, everybody.